everybody and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. As always, I'm Bryson Carver. Great to be with you today. Honestly, I'm not going to lie to y'all. not going to lie to y'all. I kind of need you guys today, uh, men, women, kids out there, people of all ages, to tune into Carving Up Live right now because I'm going to need some emotional support after how the last weekend went for me, or this past weekend rather. Uh, as you can see, I'm wearing all black. I've got a black hoodie on. I'm wearing, you guys can't see, but I'm wearing black uh, sweatpants. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, I'm in a state of mourning because this sports weekend for me, honestly, aside from Dak Prescott doing his thing against the Carolina Panthers, which that's not surprising because it's Carolina and it's Dak, but uh, outside of that, it pretty much could not have went worse. So my Vols uh, lost badly to Georgia. That's not terribly surprising, but we lost 38-10. to 10. Uh, This, by the way, for those watching on YouTube and Twitter, this was me about the late third quarter, early fourth quarter. It was not a, it was not a fun day at Neyland Stadium uh, outside the first nine seconds uh, of the game. But yeah, that, 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 that's me right there. It was just not, not, a great, uh, not a great experience. The fans were annoying as whiz outside of a few people. It was just not great. Uh, then the Warriors... Got Steph Curry back on Saturday, and it looks like Andrew Wiggins, who scored 31, hit the game-winning shot with a second left, and then Chet Holmgren hits a tying three for the Thunder, and SGA, Shea Gilgis Alexander, drops 40 and beats us in overtime. Well, that's not great. My Steelers lost to the Browns. I'll actually be getting to, into that in about 15 to 20 minutes or so. Stay tuned for that. Uh, so that didn't go well. And then to cap the night, to cap the weekend, my man Joshua Dobbs fell just short against the Denver Broncos, who I'll be leading the show off with in just a second. Other than that, my weekend went great. I mean, I guess the, the, the good news is it can only go up from here. So I'm going to need you, the audience, for emotional support <laughs> throughout this show. Listen, this is one of my favorite weekends of the, or weeks of the year, Thanksgiving week. A lot of football, a lot of great food, family, friends, a whole bit. Loves it. Uh, love it, obviously. Doing the show is, is fantastic. So uh, happy early Thanksgiving, although I'll, I'll reserve that more. Some Thanksgiving stuff for, for Wednesday's show, so definitely tune in for that. But again, going to lead off with the Broncos at about uh, 15 to 20. Going to get into my Steelers and why they are being loyal to the wrong thing. I'll get into that. And it's not one particular person. Just You'll have to stay tuned. 15 to 20 minutes from now, uh, talking about my Steelers. Also going to get into Sturdy Brock Purdy. My gosh, insert his, his name right back in the MVP discussion. I never doubted you, Brock. I never did. You know, a sturdy Brock Purdy. That's my guy, okay? And the reason why everybody just seen, not everybody, a lot of folks just seem to keep doubting this guy. It's, it's, it's a one big reason why he is probably the most doubted quarterback in the league. He may have taken Dak's spot. Who knows? Uh, he's certainly up there. There's no question about it. Also get into why the, the Los Angeles Chargers are pulling off the biggest mismanagement and wasting of a great franchise quarterback since the Colts with Andrew Luck all those years ago. About a decade ago. I'll get to that. Uh, recap of Week 11 games. going to be fun. And then at the end of today's show, a monstrous Monday Night Football game. A Super Bowl rematch. Philadelphia Eagles. Kansas City Chiefs, Arrowhead Stadium. I don't know how many Swifts are going to be there. I know there's going to be Kelsey's there. There's going to be two playing in the game. Doesn't get better than this. So very, very excited for tonight's Monday Nighter. But first, going to start in the AFC West. Given that the Week 11 NFL slate is going to end in the AFC West in Kansas City tonight. But the Broncos last night get a 
big time win over the Minnesota Vikings by a final score of 21 to 20. Russell Wilson leading the Broncos to a second consecutive game winning drive. And then once again, uh, here in this one, uh, through a touchdown pass to Cortland Sutton, those two have built a really, really good rapport. Uh, Sutton, for the record, had four catches for 66 and the game winning score. Russell played a pretty solid game 27 to 35, a touchdown. QBR 32, so not great, but a passer rating of 106. So Russell's been able to, to play well. But I'll tell you this. Here's kind of my takeaway from the game. Obviously, I'm pulling for Joshua Dobbs, but uh, the Broncos are surging right now. And I've been saying ever since that Kansas City win, and ever since, the, ever kind of in the last month, I've been saying, you know, Denver seems to be getting it together offensively, but especially defensively. They gave up that 70-burger to Miami. They were the, the you know, everybody's roasting them on NFL memes and Twitter. We're all killing the Broncos. And ever since, they've been really good defensively, which I'll get into a little later. But Sean Payton, to me, was the story of last night. And has been the story in this Broncos winning streak in that this is a guy who took the job, took the Broncos job in, you know, or, or, or this, this past offseason, took the job, kind of implemented his culture as any good coach does. We know Sean Payton's history. He's a future Hall of Famer, future first ballot Hall of Famer, I might add, uh, of the New Orleans Saints, helped them get to a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl and really helped revitalize Drew Brees' career into becoming one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. Set a bunch of records. So he goes to Denver and his job in year one, there's no championship expert, uh, expectation for the Broncos. We're not like, oh, it's a disaster if Denver doesn't win the Super Bowl. No. Heck, I'm not even sure if it's a disaster if they miss the playoffs. Denver's 5-5, five and five, very much the wild card race. Their upcoming schedule isn't easy. It's not easy, okay? They've got the Browns, Texas, Chargers, and Lions in their next four before finishing with New England, the Chargers again, and the Raiders. So these next four games are really going to kind of determine how far the Broncos get in terms of playoff contention. But if they go 8-9, which was my preseason prediction of them, it's, nobody's freaking out. Nobody's uh, selling fire, every, saying fire everybody and disband the franchise. No, no, no. It's an upgrade from last year. Frankly, it's been an upgrade of the Broncos ever since Peyton left and retired after the 2015 season. But Sean Peyton, his primary objective, year one, fix Russell Wilson. Folks, has he not done that? Russell Wilson this season is number three in the NFL in, um, in passer rating. He's got 19 touchdown passes. That's top five in the league. He has the best touchdown to interception ratio, 19 to four in the league. Is he Seattle Russ? Far from it. Seattle Russ was a top five quarterback in the NFL. Seattle Russ was an MVP candidate. But this version of Russell Wilson, which by the way, and this is where I give props to Russ, part of the reason the Broncos kind of went on this tear, they were really good running the football, very efficient uh, running the football with Javante Williams and company. That offensive line had really found itself. Again, if you look at this winning streak, which started against the Green Bay Packers uh, about a month ago, uh, Denver in that game ran for 145 yards. Then they played Kansas City, and that was that big upset. They broke that long streak of losing to the Kansas City Chiefs. What did Russell Wilson and the Broncos do? Or Not Russell Wilson all that much, but they ran for 153 against Kansas City. Come off the bye, on the road, Buffalo, tough environment. What did Denver do? Run for 122 yards. Well, last night they weren't that effective. Weren't that effective. Denver last night ran for only 46 yards on three yards a clip. So they were like, Russell, you kind of get a need to take a need to take us to the finish line. They struggled in the red zone. They couldn't cash in. They took the points where they were there. But when it was time to, to, to make the plays at the end, Russell let him down. Denver won it. But Sean Payton. And I remember talking in depth about this. I remember talking on my show about it on the 8 o'clock spot, Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern on the Grid Network's YouTube channel. Be there. Tune in. Best game show in town. But I remember talking about it at the time. 
is when Sean Payton went to USA Today, Jarrett Bell, one of the most esteemed uh, uh, insiders and reporters there are in the, in the, in the, the reporting game. He's covered the Broncos for a while. And he was talking to Jarrett Bell. Jarrett's covered the NFL for a while in general, but uh, Sean was talking to him. And he said, you know, last year was the worst coaching job I've ever seen in the NFL. We have such great players here. Russell's so much better than what he showed you on tape last season. And it's just a disaster. It's the worst coaching job I've ever seen. And oh, the media and the fans lost their collective minds. Oh, how classless of him to go after Nathaniel Hackett. And through the Broncos' one and five start this season, ah, see, see, it wasn't so easy now, was it, Sean? Oh, you just said that about, uh, about uh, Nathaniel Hackett just to cover yourself in case it goes haywire. And now that it has gone haywire, oh, that's your crutch. No. It's because Sean Payton is a Hall of Fame head coach. Nathaniel Hackett does not deserve to be an offensive coordinator, much less a head coach in the NFL. Just because you told the truth, just because you said something that might have uh, rubbed people the wrong way, does it make it false? Sean Payton was correct. Russell Wilson's already thrown more touchdown passes this year than he did a year ago. Russell Wilson, the Broncos, infinitely better running the football this year. Infinitely better offensive line. Russell, again, not the Seattle Russ but a pretty darn good Russ. Like, Tommy, I already said he was, I had him as about the 15th best quarterback coming into the season because I figured he'd bounce back with Sean Payton. Russell's been undeniably, by the numbers, one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the league. Do I think he's top 10? No. Burrow's hurt, Rodgers hurt. Like, there's a lot of factors here, but he's played like one of the 10 best. He hasn't turned the football over. He's been efficient. He's been good on uh, third down. It was great uh, on that last drive. Still has the clutch gene, still mobile enough. I'm not saying Denver's making the playoffs. I'm not saying Russell's an MVP candidate because he's not. But Sean Payton kind of knows what he's doing, believe it or not. Hall of Fame smart head coaches, especially when they you know, when they specialize in the offensive side of the ball with a quarterback who out of nowhere had by far the worst year of his career, one of the worst years we've ever seen any competent quarterback have. I mean, Russell didn't exactly have a reputation of a Zach Wilson or a Mac Jones. Russell was a great player for a decade in Seattle. Comes to Denver, it's a disaster. And yes, I'm not going to BS and act like, oh, I always knew he was going to turn it around. Last year in week five when they lost to the Colts, I think it was 12 to nine. I think it was 12 to nine was the overtime score. I said, I'm selling my Russell Wilson stock. I'm out. So I'm not going to BS and be, you know, revisionist history and act like I was all in on Russ this whole time. No, no, no. But I did think with one of the best head coaches on the offensive side of the ball, especially coaching quarterbacks in the history of the game of professional football, that he could... Help Russ get back to at least some semblance of the old Russ. Cortland Sutton is the this is the best he's ever looked. Jerry Judy, you see, I, I love that play. Collinsworth loved it on the broadcast last night, where uh, Jerry Judy catches that pass, fakes uh, like he's gonna throw it to somebody, even though he's way past the line of scrimmage, and ends up getting a few more yards out of it. Like it's the creativity, it's the the motion plays, it's establishing a run game. The offensive line has played well. Russell looks like a some semblance of the old Russ. Believe it or not, Sean Payton knows what he's doing. And this goes back to a theme that I've had about coaches, mostly on the defensive side, but in this case, Sean Payton, the offensive side, it applies, is that not everything is a fix it in five seconds type of thing. We got to remember the Denver Broncos last year were 5-12. and 12. Russell had the worst season of his career. The defense, as great as it was at the first half of the season, was awful in the second half. They gave up a 50-burger to Baker Mayfield. It's not a shot at Baker, but it's not great. This team is in shambles, organization in shambles, new ownership. It. What are we doing? We're bringing the setting force. We're bringing a guy who, and I know Sean Payton may not be the most uh, 
popular the guy in the world. I understand the the whole bounty gate situation. It's it's about as bad of a look of a head for a head coach and defensive coordinator Greg Williams back with the Saints all those years ago as you could have. One thing you can't deny, he's smart and he works with quarterbacks well. And you see what Russell's doing this season. That that's that's who Sean Payton's been for the vast majority of his career, uh, going back to his days with Bill Parcells and his staff, and with the Saints for for a, over a de- well over a decade, winning a Super Bowl, winning a lot of playoff games with Drew Brees, breaking some records offensively. My theme for coaches, and it's mostly special on the defensive side, but again, it applies to Sean on the offensive side. Is not everything's a five second fix. Takes time to build a culture. Takes takes time to to implement your scheme and have your ex- your players executed at a high level. Look at Brian Flores in Minnesota. Okay, defense for Minnesota when they started 1-4 was bad. They looked just like the defense last year. But during the five-game winning streak, and even last night, I thought they played pretty well defensively, just gave up that last drive at the end. It happens. You know, you lose games by a point in the NFL. It's a, it's a game of inches, as we all know. Vikings defense has been really good under Brian Flores. Vic Fangio. Uh, Dolphins were giving up 30-point games all over the place. They were scoring 40, but they gave up 30. I mean, that's that's kind of their MO. All of a sudden, Dolphins defense, Jalen Ramsey looks as good as he's ever looked, and the Dolphins defense is flourishing. And Sean Payton now at the Broncos. Yes, the offense struggled at the, at the beginning of the season. Yes, Russell, I remember talking about this early on in the season, was awful, awful in the fourth quarter of games. Now he's really good. Now he's got a pass rate of 100 in the fourth quarter. A pass rate of 100 in totality for the season. So his job, year one, fix Russ. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. You have, you have, you're never going to get the old Russ again. If that's the goal, if that's what you hope to get in Denver, you, that ship has sailed. That's not going to happen. But can you get a fringe top 10 guy to Russell Wilson with this coach and these weapons? Sure you can. And he's played like a top 10 guy this year. So hats off to the Broncos. Again, I still kind of have them around that eight and nine, nine and eight mark that I had them at before the season started. Um, but if they finish that, if they miss the playoffs by a game and they they lose uh, to Cleveland or somebody, or they lose to Detroit uh, on on December seventeenth in week that's going to be week fifteen. They lose at Detroit. Uh, Detroit is a Super Bowl contender. There's levels to this, but for Denver to take the leap from last year to this year, give credit to the players, give credit to Russ, give credit to the front office for upgrading the offensive line. And bringing a lot of the defensive guys back. Patrick Sertan's playing well. Uh, 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 Justin Simmons, the safety, playing very well. Had a great game last night. Starts with the coach. His job is to fix it, and he has. So we got mad at Sean Payton. You know, Jets fans, how you liking uh, Nathaniel Hackett? And guess what, Jets fans? I feel bad for him. I, I love Jets fans. Y'all are stuck with him because Aaron, that's his buddy. He's got to keep Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah, how's that working? Props to Sean Payton. I don't know. Maybe it's just a, I don't know what it is. It's like, I feel the same way with Jim Harbaugh, Michigan. I don't know. And even in sports, I have a tendency to root for guys who are great, but universally hated. I don't know. That's, that's, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at with the Broncos. Great win last night. Broke my heart. This is a guy who's rooting for Joshua Dobbs. You know, that's my man. I can't come out here on the show and belt Robert Joshua Dobbs. But, Broncos country, let's ride. They're looking good. Real quick on Dobbs, though. P- pretty pedestrian stat line, 20-32, a touchdown, a pick that wasn't his fault for the record. QBR 55, not bad, pass rating of 80, a little above average. Um, and he ran for 21 yards and another touchdown. Uh, and by the way, that touchdown pass uh, to the tight end was just, I mean, again, I tweeted, it was like a Mahomesian play. So, listen, Dobbs is going to be fine. 
this Broncos defense, I, I said that I would mention the, the defense and how they played over the last month, month and a half or so. In, in Since week, this would be week six against Kansas City, uh, they lost 19-8. to They've given up 19, 17, 9, 22, 20. Playing really good defense. Not giving up big plays down the field. They're good in the red zone. Dobbs ran to a buzzsaw a little bit. I thought Justin, part of the reason I picked Minnesota is I thought Jefferson, Justin Jefferson would be healthy in this game. He obviously was not. We'll see if the Vikings get him back sooner rather than later. They'll certainly need him for the, for the stretch run to try and get into the playoffs because they're not going to catch Detroit for the division. But the good news for Minnesota, home game next week against Chicago, who just suffered a heartbreaking loss to Detroit. You're in good hands. You're in good shape. Uh, Minnesota, by the way, after that, plays Vegas, Cincinnati without Burrow. Then they play Detroit twice in the last three weeks, but they have a Packers game sandwiched in there at home. Minnesota's going to be fine. Joshua Dobbs is going to be fine. Uh, you know, oh, Josh Dobbs, yeah, he showed you why he was a backup quarterback, really. For the record, again, the pick he threw was not his fault. I just literally, news just broke minutes ago while I was doing my rant on Denver that uh, Kareem Jackson of the Broncos has been suspended for four games on the Dobbs hit. Remember early in the game, Dobbs got hit, got taken to the medical team. It was a dirty, dirty play when he fumbled. I mean, yeah, I, I think the best of ball carries a fumble of those kind of hits. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, and by the way, uh, when Minnesota, let me make sure I'm getting this right in my notes. Um, when Minnesota was driving, they were up 17-9 to on Denver, seemed to have the momentum. Defense was playing well, forcing field goals uh, for the Broncos. They're driving. This is this is mid to late third quarter, two minutes, a little, little under three minutes to go. They're at the Denver 34. It's first down. Dobbs is converting on third down. Uh, this team is playing well. And Alexander Madison fumbles. If, if, if Minnesota scores in that drive, 24-9, probably over. I mean, like I said, give Russell props, give the Broncos props, but I don't think they're coming back from 15 down in the fourth quarter, even at home. Minnesota probably rides that momentum to a win. So Dobbs going to be fine. He's going to carve Chicago up next week, and uh, all will be good in, in, in Minneapolis town. That, that's, that's where we're at. That's where we're at. All right, let's get to the comments section. Again, I, I want to reiterate, y'all, I need the moral and emotional support in the comment section, I had a bad weekend regarding my Vols, my Steelers, Dobbs, the Warriors. Again, Dak is the only <laughs> Dak was the only concept for me. Okay, uh, I'm not going to do a whole segment on the Cowboys, which is rare. But uh, again, they beat Carolina. I am going to recap their game though when I recap Week 11. My man Philip, who is a Cowboys fan, what a week to be alive, Bryson. A ton of football games, a lot of great fruit, food, spending time with friends and family. I'm hyped about the rest of this NFL season and playoffs. It's gonna be epic. Amen, 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 Philip. That's my guy right there. I love Philip. He's right though. This is this is when the football season ramps up. This is the equivalent of the chase for March Madness, like early March, mid-March. We got all these tournaments, these conference tournaments, and that little school in Iowa trying to get into the big dance. You know, in baseball, it's the stretch run in September. You know, you win these close games, try and get to the postseason, trying to get in October and make a run. This is this is kind of when it starts in the NFL. It's like around Thanksgiving, the haves and have-nots kind of separate. You know who's great, who's good, who's gonna you know who's gonna up to maybe who knows win a playoff game, but probably not go further than that. And then the have-nots who are gonna miss the playoffs. Uh, that's this is around the time you start to see that, and uh, it is going to be in the words of my man Patrick Brown, it is going to be chaotic. That is that is a fact. Uh, for the record, here's our playoff standings today. In the NFC, 1-7. to seven. Philly plays tonight, obviously, but it's Philly, Detroit, San Francisco, New Orleans, and then the three wildcard teams, Dallas, Seattle, and Minnesota. Honestly, y'all, in the NFC, I think these are your playoff teams. And I said I, I might go perfect on my NFC picks, y'all. 
because I said, um, and now Dallas has to catch Philly for the division for me to be right on this, but Philly and Dallas, I said, would be in. I said Detroit would win the, win, would win the North. San Francisco would win the West. New Orleans would win the South. And then right now, Philly is the NFC East leader. But I said Philly, Seattle, and Minnesota would be your wildcard teams. And if you look at the standings, Green Bay's not catching up to those teams. Neither are the Rams or the Falcons or the Bucks. So that's where we're at in the NFC. So it, it feels like the seven that we've got now are the seven that we're going to have when the playoffs start. Because the gap between seven and eight is pretty wide by, by a few games. Uh, AFC, who the heck knows? Okay, from one to seven, it's Chiefs, Ravens, Jaguars, Dolphins, Browns, Texans, and finally at seven, my Steelers. And that's who I want to get into for just a moment. Or really more than just a moment. I, I want to obviously spend a whole segment on them. So... What to dissect from that game yesterday? So my Steelers played the Browns. Big, big NFC. I keep saying NFC. Big AFC North matchup. Steelers-Browns trying to keep pace with Baltimore for that uh, division lead, that, that division title. Uh, again, I feel like both teams are likely playoff teams. The, the Browns have a fantastic defense. I still think Pittsburgh somehow, some way, because of Mike Tomlin, are going to get in the playoffs. And that's actually what worries me, which I'll get into in just a second. But... The Steelers lost 13 to 10 to the Cleveland Browns on a walk-off field goal. Dustin Hopkins, back-to-back weeks on walk-off field goal for Cleveland. Before though, I get into my Steelers, I did want to mention because normally I'm the type of guy. I don't know if I've ever like said this on my show or as explicitly as I'm going to say it, but I am the type of guy where, listen, when you get into the content creating space, especially when you're talking about sports, you're going to get pushback. That's okay. That to me, that that that's I love that. As long as it's civil engagement, a lot sometimes it's not. That is what it is. You gotta let that let the get get the chip off your shoulder. Let that let that slide. Um, but Browns fans, that's different. Okay, when when Browns fans say something, then that's I don't. You guys know, maybe you don't, but I don't have a whole lot of love for Cleveland. I like the people, people are nice. People of Cleveland are nice. I met some Clevelanders in the last year. They're nice. I got nothing against them. But uh, their attitudes towards sports is, is actually quite funny. Uh, so I put out a Deshaun Watson video. And it, again, this is relevant to the game because of what happened, obviously, in the game. But I put out a Deshaun Watson video on YouTube about how, and I talked about this on Wednesday's show, about how I feel bad for Deshaun. I hate that a season is over. Uh, frankly, I felt bad for the fan base. I didn't feel bad for the organization because they didn't have an adequate backup plan, just like the New York Jets. Not as bad as the Jets. DTR is better than anybody the Jets have. Frankly, so is P.J. Walker, but they didn't have an adequate backup plan, and they happen to have a guy, his name is Josh Dobbs, who was Deshaun's backup or third string, wherever he was, and they traded him to Arizona. And how's that worked out for them? Not great. Um, And Browns fans were like, hey, you know, Bryson, hey, we're 7-3. and three. We beat your sorry Steelers, and... And, uh, you know, where I saw this comment, and, and I this this was an LOL comment. I'm not going to lie to y'all. Is, hey, you know what the Browns is? You know what the Browns organization is? A winning organization. <laughs> that is adorable. Uh, yeah, you're 7-3. and three. Congratulations. You won your Super Bowl over the Pittsburgh Steelers. You, you can tell the self-esteem of a franchise and its fans by how they celebrate regular season games. Listen, divisional games are bigger than the regular games. We know that. There's rivalries. Fan bases don't like each other. That's one thing. But, man, you know, Pittsburgh has been the model franchise. Again, I'm obviously going to get into Pittsburgh in just a second. But Pittsburgh has been the model franchise, or at least one of them, forever. And Cleveland hasn't. And so when... Little brother beats big brother for once. It's like a, 
It's like a boost to their self-confidence until they get their, you know, what kicked again. So eh, it's okay. Let Cleveland have this. Let's, they don't have much. I mean, it took them having the greatest basketball player who ever lived to actually get a championship, and they had him for 11 years and got one championship, but that's neither here nor there. They kind of know how to screw up uh, their franchises. That's what they do. But, hey, you, y'all have this win. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Have a party in the city. Have a parade. Get all the, the greats of Cleveland's past, okay? Get the great Cleveland Guardians players and the Cleveland Browns and, and the Cavs of, of, of years past, decades past. Have fun. You know, it's not like you have much to celebrate these days or ever. Knock yourselves out. That's Cleveland. For Pittsburgh, though, I obviously have significantly higher expectations because it's a significantly better run franchise. So for Pittsburgh, listen, six and four. Uh, again, as I just mentioned, the seventh seed in the AFC. So it's not like all is lost and the season's over. No, I still maintain I think Pittsburgh's going to get in the playoffs. If you look at their schedule coming up, they play Cincinnati twice without Burrow. They play Arizona. They play the Colts, and they play the Patriots. Now, the Colts might be a little dicey. I'm not going to lie to y'all. But then they finish at Seattle, which we know is a tough place to win, at Baltimore. I don't have terribly high hopes for that one. But then again, Baltimore and Pittsburgh always play close. But I've lamented this about Pittsburgh, and I, so I don't want to sound like a brokered record. And so I decided to kind of take it a different route. Like, you know, Bryson, you don't want to talk about the same old thing. Oh, Tomlin needs to adjust to the modern times. The Steelers need to adjust to the offensive game. Let me spin that in a different angle for just a moment. Because, again, I don't want to just repeat what I said three weeks ago when they lost to Jacksonville. The thing with Pittsburgh, and it's the thing that the Steelers have hung their hat on forever. And it's something that I've admired, I think, other teams, other franchises, other fan bases admire is, man, the stability is second to none. Again, <laughs> since, since Richard Nixon was president, the Steelers have had three head coaches since 1969. Chuck Knoll, Bill Cower, Mike Tomlin. Like that is stability. That is allowing your coach to build a culture, not being a meddling owner. That the 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 Rooney family are not like like Jerry Jones. They're not like uh, Dan Snyder back in the day when he used to own the Washington Commanders. Just meddling. David Tepper now with Carolina, meddling owner, interfering with 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 smart decision makers. That's not the Rooneys. Far from it. They allow the coaches to coach to in some cases roster build. That's their job, and they understand that because they're a smart franchise and they employ smart people, and Mike Tomlin certainly qualifies as that. He's one of the greatest coaches in the history of the NFL. Never had a losing season since he became the coach in 07. But such loyalty can come to a fault. And, and, and you ask Bryce, well, what do you mean by loyalty? Like, what if you're loyal, you have to be loyal to something. If you are, I'm just I'm, I'm a guy. If you're, if you're a guy... And you, you're married to your wife. You are loyal to your wife. You are loyal to your kids. Um, you're loyal to to your parents or, or, or the people close to your life. Like you're loyal to your friends. That's a good thing to be loyal to. In some instances, though, there are things that you maybe shouldn't be loyal to, and maybe could cost you. Maybe there's that there's that person in your family who is a little bit, little bit of an albatross around your neck. Maybe isn't does doesn't present the, the greatest public look for you. Uh, we all know that crazy member of the, the the family that's, you know, doesn't make you look the best. I think that's where the Steelers are right now, where the loyalty in the organization stemming from the top, stemming with the Roonies and trickling down to, to Coach Tomlin is there's a loyalty to your guys. 
It's a loyalty to Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator. There's a loyalty to Kenny Pickett, the quarterback, who played at Pitt. Uh, there's a loyalty to to the players. And listen, there's certain players you should be loyal to. T.J. Watt, you should you should be loyal to. He's, he's one of the best players, football players on earth. You should be loyal to Cam Hayward. He's been awesome for a decade. You should be loyal, at least more loyal, to George Pickens. You know, there's there's, there's players in this. Mika Fitzpatrick. There's people you should be loyal to in that franchise. But more than the players, and I've always been a pro player guy, you know what the Steelers need to be loyal to? Winning. It's that simple. Winning by any means necessary. You know, Kevin Durant was loyal. He was loyal for nine years to Oklahoma City. He had to be. People got on. Oh, how could you not be loyal to Russell Westbrook and loyal to Billy Donovan, loyal to the Thunder and their fans? Katie said, yeah, and I'll never get a championship here. Let me go to Golden State. Well-run franchise. Great players. uh, An organization will all fit beautifully. Kevin Durant was loyal to winning. He now has two championships and two finals MVPs to show for it. The Los Angeles Rams were loyal to winning. Jared Goff. By the way, Jared Goff's balling right now. Had a big time come from behind win yesterday. Jared Goff got the Rams to the playoffs three out of four years. That's not hard. That's not an easy thing to do. Three out of four years. Got the Rams to the playoffs. For the record, his last year in LA with a broken thumb. Won a playoff game in Seattle. And you know what the Los Angeles Rams said? Nah, not good enough. Let's go get Matthew Stafford. They have a Lombardi trophy to show for it. The Kansas City Chiefs. Alex Smith got in the playoffs in 2013, 2015, 2016, 2017. And the Chiefs said, yeah, not good enough. Alex Smith, his last year. Think about this, y'all. Alex Smith's last year as the Chiefs starting quarterback. He made the Pro Bowl. He led the Chiefs to the playoffs. They said, no, not good enough. Let's go take this kid out of Texas Tech. They have two Lombardis to show for it. Loyalty is not a bad thing by any stretch of the imagination, but what are you loyal to? Is Mike Tomlin loyal to winning? Or is he loyal to, God, I cannot, I can't have this losing season. I've never had a losing season since I've been here. I'm the only coach in the NFL history that's coached as long as I have and never had a losing season. We got to get to nine wins. Got to get to 10 wins. Got to just get barely ahead above water and sneak in the playoffs. Get that winning record. And what scares me as a Steelers fan is I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I think the Steelers are going to end up winning 10 games, maybe nine, probably 10. If you look at their schedules, they got Arizona, got Cincinnati twice without Burrow, got the Colts, got the Patriots, a lot of winnable games there, okay? They're going to get 10 wins. They're going to sneak in the playoffs as the six or seven seed and get mollywopped by pick your team, Jacksonville, Miami, Baltimore, whoever. And they'll be right back to square one. Yes. Fellow Steelers fans, of course I know Matt Canada is is a problem. He's not the problem. He's a problem. The Steelers should move on from him. I've been crystal clear about that, as any other Steelers fan has been from the beginning of the season. He's incompetent. He doesn't know what he's doing. His concepts are as uncreative and easy to game plan for as there are in the NFL. Go to any smart football person that can break down film, because Dan Orlovsky's done it. A lot of people have done it. They'll break it down and show you it's not that it's not that hard of an offense to game plan for. There's like seven plays they kind of rely on. So we know Matt Canada is, is incompetent. That, that doesn't surprise any of us. I'm starting to sell my stock on Kenny Pickett. And not in the sense of I think Kenny Pickett can be a, a good starter in the NFL, because I do. I think Kenny Pickett could be a good starter in the NFL. 
But if the Steelers organization's uh, expectations and uh, aspirations are to win Super Bowls, they do, after all, have the most tied with the Patriots at six. If that's the expectation, and as Mike Tomlin says, the standard is the standard, is Kenny Pickett going to be the guy in that conference to get you there? Against Mahomes, a healthy Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, Tua, that's that's the guy to get you there? Because I, I am not going to lie to y'all, have my doubts. I've seen Kenny in the fourth quarter. I, I nicknamed him fourth quarter Kenny. I mean, a few weeks ago, I remember checking. I'm like, doggone, Kenny Pickett has a 100, 100 pass rating in the fourth quarter. He just needs to clean up in the three quarters. Maybe part of the reason the Steelers' offense is struggling, yes, is because Canada is uncreative. But I'll go and show you the tape right here. This is for those watching on YouTube and and, uh, and Twitter, so I'll try and narrate the best I can for the, for the audio audience. But this is Kenny Pickett, okay? These are all of his throws yesterday when throwing beyond the sticks, so beyond the first down marker, okay? Here they are. It's 40 seconds worth. Here's the first one. Not even close to George Pickens. Here's the second one. Rolling out to his right. There's really nothing there. So you kind of, although he did have, uh, I think it was Johnson down there. Here's another throw. He's got time. Good protection. Not even close. Not on the same page as a receiver. Here we go. Here's another play. Kenny had George Pickens. Bad throw. Okay. Here's a punt here. Here's Kenny Pickett. Once again, rolling out to his right. Good protection. Good throw, actually. Solid catch by Pickens. Here's the fourth quarter. Kenny, where's that ball going to? There's not a Steelers receiver in sight. And then the final one, this was his last throw of the afternoon in Cleveland. Has a man. Missed him. At some point, you got to make throws. And I always say the Bill Parcells rule of coaching or developing quarterbacks. I I recite this all the time when we talk about young guys struggling or kind of having their ups and downs is year one, man, it's developmental year. Okay, like it takes time. You got to build it. And, and you know, it's it's hard. NFL's hard. Processing defenses is hard. What C.J. Stroud is doing right now, that's not normal. What Dak did in 2016, what Ben did in 04, that's not normal. What Luck did in 2012, like that, that does not, that's not the norm. We can't, we can't expect that out of young franchise or young, you know, uh, star quarterbacks or potential star quarterbacks. But year two, as Parcells once said, you need to kind of start seeing something. You need to see a jump from year one. I don't see it. And I don't think Steelers fans see it either. And if by year three, as Parcells often would say, if by year three, you don't know if he's the guy or not, cut bait. He's not the guy. You need to move on. I saw the stat today and it almost made me throw up in my mouth. And this is kind of this kind of goes back to the Mike Tomlin and the Steelers refuse to adjust to to modern offensive football. Okay, how about this, y'all? Tommy DeVito, we've become accustomed to that name lately. He's now the quarterback of the Giants. Tommy DeVito has more career games with multiple touchdown passes than Kenny Pickett. Tommy DeVito, he's the Giants' third stringer. They wouldn't let him throw a pass beyond the line of scrimmage just three weeks ago. And all of a sudden, three weeks ago, four weeks ago. He has more games with multiple touchdown passes than Kenny Pickett. He's played three games. Sorry, four games. Still, Kenny has started virtually a whole season. He's not the answer. And the fact of the matter is, if you look at this upcoming quarterback draft, loaded with guys more talented than Kenny Pickett. We know how great Caleb Williams is. We know how Drake Mays kind of slid off, but I still think May can be a really good player. 
Let's say Kempe said, I love Penix at Washington. You saw what he did in a rainstorm yesterday. Penix is excellent. Uh, Bo Nix is balling out or- at Oregon. I still like the kid. Uh, Riley Leonard at Duke. Jordan Travis suffered a season-ending injury, which sucks for Florida State. So I'm not sure what that's going to do to his drafts, uh, draft uh, status. There's a lot. Of, this is about as loaded a quarterback draft as we've had in a while. There might be somebody who falls to you. There might be somebody available, and there's like a string of, this happens every draft, where there's like three or four teams that really don't need a quarterback, but one team that does, and so they jump ahead of, jump ahead of a team that also needs a quarterback and take the guy. If such an opportunity becomes available in late April, whenever the draft is, that Thursday night when the first round is, still need to take that swing. Aggressive wins in sports. Adapting to the modern day, whatever the case may be, in any industry. You know, if somebody, I've I've used this analogy before, if somebody wasn't good at using computers 30 years ago and they were going in for a job interview, eh, it's not going to do you in. If If you don't know how to use computers now in 2023, little bit of a problem. This is a digital age now. You got to adapt, got to adjust, got to get better at what you need to get better at. That's where the Steelers are at today. And it, it, it's, I'm telling y'all, they're going to make the playoffs as a six or seven seed, get bounced probably in a blowout fashion because they can't score to save their lives. You know what bothers me about Pittsburgh? Is, and I've said this before, like they think you can win playing 2003 football. Uh, rather than you say, well, Bryson, they're six and four. They've gotten outgained in every game. Every game. They're the worst six and four team, arguably, in NFL history. And I say that as a Steelers fan. 2003, you could win a game. Sorry, a game. That's that's selling it short. You could go to the Super Bowl with Rex Grossman and guys like, uh, shoot, who else? Rich Gannon, Kerry Collins. You could get to a Super Bowl with those guys if you had a good defense and a good running game. Heck, you could win the Super Bowl with guys like Brad Johnson, Trent Dilfer, Nick Foles if you had a running game and a defense. Now you need Patrick Mahomes. You need Joe Burrow. You need Josh Allen and Trevor Lawrence and Dak Prescott and Jalen Hurts and Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson. You can't win a Super Bowl with Kenny Pickett. If you think you can, through the running game and the defense, you are behind the times. What is the standard in Pittsburgh? It's the same question I asked when they lost to Jacksonville. What is Mike Tomlin? The standard is the standard. And by, by, I am, to be abundantly clear, I am by no means calling for Mike Tomlin's job. It, any Steelers fan that, that is calling this saying, oh, I need to fire Mike Tomlin, they're insane. They are insane. But Mike does need to adjust. You can't win with running. You can't win a Super Bowl with running game and defense because the Steelers are a smart franchise. All right, this is this right here is part of the reason I picked the Steelers as my team this summer. How do they? Does any organization draft better than Pittsburgh? They draft receivers. They draft corners. They draft uh, you know historically at least offensive linemen. They draft running backs. They draft quarterbacks in the past. Terry Bradshaw, Big Ben. They draft, uh, you know, great, again, pass rushers and linebackers and DBs. Heck, the kicker's good. Drafting, picking talent is not the Steelers' problem. That's the problem in New England. Belichick can't coach the talent he's got because he can't pick good talent when he see he can't see good talent if it's right in front of his face. That's not Mike Tomlin's problem. He's a great coach. He's a great motor, motivator. Again, I'm about to get into Brandon Staley in just a second. He's a defensive coach. 
Defense is great. Yeah, 13 points. It's, it's, it did all they could. Got a turnover in the game on the opposite side of the field. Doing all he could. His side of the ball is great. Adapt, adjust, improve with the times. Mike Tomlin's not doing that, and it's costing the Steelers. Not just Mike Tomlin, but the Steelers organization as a whole is the problem. Let's see. Excuse me. Uh, uh, Philip is in the comments. <laughs> he says, um, he says, Browns, sorry, I got some Gatorade. He says, Browns organization winning. <laughs> that shouldn't even be mentioned in the same sentence. They're going to make the playoffs and lose in the first round. Of course they are, Philip. That's, that's, that's the ceiling. And again, uh, and then I'll get into the to, to other comments here because I see we got a lot here. Uh, y'all, my emotional support today. I appreciate it. Y'all coming through. But, you know, one of the comments was saying, yeah, you know, we are seven and three. Doesn't change the fact that you don't have a, you don't have a, 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 a legitimate star quarterback. Heck, a good quarterback. I mean, that's, by the way, that's one of the things I said when Deshaun went down. I said, look, I feel bad for Deshaun, but there's not going to be this just big gap between Deshaun Watson and Dorian Thompson Robinson or, you know, I mean, they signed Joe Flacco today. They signed Joe Flacco. They're desperate. <laughs> they have nothing at quarterback. So I'm actually right, Cleveland. Believe it or not, see past your, your fanboyness. Philip, and I have a hot take that Caleb Williams will not be a franchise quarterback in the NFL. Oh my goodness, that is a smoking. So that, that's like a volcano erupting fire. Hot take. He said I would choose three. This is Philip's comment. I would choose three over him, maybe four in the next NFL draft. Holy cow. Yeah, I definitely don't agree with that, Philip. I, I don't know about that, buddy. Now, again, this is a loaded quarterback draft. I love some of the guys in it. I, I think Penix is the second best to Caleb. I think Penix is going to be awesome. I don't know why he's not getting more buzz of what he's doing at Washington. I think Penix is amazing. Can make every throw in the book. I, I Oh, whoever gets him, God bless y'all. Don't screw him up. Like, he's always oh, going to be so good. And I, I like Drake May a lot at North Carolina. He hasn't had a great year, but I, I really like Drake May. Bo Nix is slowly, slowly winning me over. Uh I mean, what's the what's Caleb supposed to now? He's he has tailed off the second half of the season. That is totally fair. Uh, I mean, Josh Allen was terrible in college at times, and Josh Allen's a very good quarterback, elite quarterback in the NFL. Uh, that is a smoking hot take, Philip. Though that, that that's one of these days, me and you guys gonna have to cover have a conversation about that because that's you know I, I like people to go out on a limb. I do it all the time. I love it. My man Parnell's in the comments. What's up, Parnell? He said, "Should Herbert demand a trade?" No, um, not yet. Again, I'm about to get in the stallion in just a second in the Chargers. Uh, and it involves Herbert, obviously. But I think we all kind of assume, I guess because we're, most people are, I shouldn't say most people. Uh, I guess uh, people in the comments here, myself, are rational thinkers and think that surely the Chargers are going to fire Staley at season's end. Whether or not he gets through the season at this point is irrelevant. The Chargers aren't going to make the playoffs. Could have told you that before the year. But look, it's not like the talent isn't there, which I've been saying. The Chargers are a very talented roster. They've drafted well. Uh, the coach isn't right. So not let's here's my answer, Parnell. In short, not yet. Not yet. Parnell, who's your MVP right now? You might say Dak. Yeah, that's exactly what, <laughs> that's exactly what I'm saying, Parnell. You know, last week I said CJ Stroud was the MVP. And um, I know that made a lot of Texas fans happy. And, and props to Stroud, he won yesterday, but he did throw three picks, 
they, they weren't great in the red zone. But and, and, and by the way, I love something that CJ Stroud said after the game. He said, man, Steph Curry doesn't stop shooting. You know, and, and like like he said, like CJ Stroud said, you know, I can't turn the ball over, but you know, you gotta take shots, you gotta be aggressive. Steelers, hint, hint, <laughs> be aggressive. Okay. But I would say Dak. I would say Dak. And and by the way, it, well, I was gonna bring this up later, but since Parnell mentioned it, I'll just go ahead and put this up. Uh, can we check Dak's numbers? And I'll read this off for the audio audience. Uh, he's top six in virtually everything. Second in the NFL in completion percentage, fourth in the NFL in pass rating, fifth in yards per pass, sixth in touchdown to interception ratio, second in QBR, and he is pro football focuses today, pro football focuses highest graded quarterback. Not Mahomes, not Burrow, not Lamar, not Herbert, Rain Dakota Prescott. I'm just telling y'all. It's I said he'd be an MVP candidate before the season. I didn't pick him to win. I picked Trevor Lawrence, who himself looked great yesterday. He's not the MVP, he's not an MVP candidate right now. But uh, yeah, I would say Dak today, Parnell. But MVP, what's great about MVP? It is, it is the Janet Jackson syndrome on steroids. What have you done for me lately? And Dak, lately, because we factor in yesterday's games, has been better slightly than CJ Stroud and Jared Goff and Hertz. Although, again, the beauty of tonight, this is why I can't wait for tonight's game, going to predict Chiefs-Eagles at the end of the show in about 45 minutes, is that, you know, these are two franchises that had two legitimate MVP candidates. Somebody can make a statement tonight. Should be fun. Parnell in the comments, Houston has moved on from Deshaun Watson, and Baker Mayfield has moved on as well. Now, Baker, Baker didn't have a great day at the office yesterday, but in his defense, he's playing the 49ers. Most quarterbacks don't play well. I mean, Kirk Cousins is like, like that, that doesn't happen. Joe Burrow, but he's Joe Burrow. He's, I mean, that's why it sucks that he got hurt. Uh, even as a Steelers fan, I hated that for him. Hated it for him. All right. And the last thing, and then I'll move on from Pittsburgh. I did want to play this. Um, The offensive scheme in Pittsburgh is something that even Najee Harris, the Steelers, well, I don't even know if he's a starting running back anymore. Jalen Warren was awesome yesterday. Should have got more carries. Uh, just goes to show you further the incompetence of Matt Canada. But Giro, Najee Harris said yesterday, if not, here you go. There's just a lot of stuff that just goes around. It's just, it's just, it's just that you guys don't see. Um, that's I'm just at a point where it was just like, man, I'm just, I'm just tired of this shit. I mean, the frustration is boiling. You know, it, it is. So I thought that was interesting, though. Najee said, uh, there's some things y'all aren't seeing. I don't know if that's. A locker room problem. I, I heard something about Deontay Johnson, you know, being being upset with Mike Tomlin yesterday. It's, you know, when, when you're stuck in the past, I mean, that's, you, you can't, <laughs> don't get mad if the players get mad at you. Uh, Parnell, he says, what I mean by Baker Mayfield moving on is that the Browns traded him and went with Deshaun because it was reported they went an adult in the locker room concerning Baker's immaturity. Well, if they wanted an adult in the locker room, Deshaun Watson wasn't exactly the best option. Okay, that, that goes without saying. That goes without saying. And that's something I've said too, and then I'll move on to Staley, uh, that I give Deshaun, uh, I'm not Deshaun, uh, Baker a lot of credit on, or for, is that I, I feel like in the sound bites I've seen from him, and again, this is just a guy watching Tampa Bay from afar. Obviously, we're not covering Tampa as close as we did the last three years with Brady, but and listen, there's still very much in the NFC South picture, a playoff picture, but I've seen an increased level of maturity from Baker, and it, listen, it isn't like he's working with the San Francisco 49ers around him. So, I actually think Baker's, given the circumstances and given our expectations, actually hasn't been bad. And um, I like the leadership he's showing. So, now, was he immature in Cleveland? No question about it. It was my main criticism of him. But 
guess what? Baker Mayfield's a human being and human beings grow. Smart, you know, smart human beings, self-aware human beings grow. And Baker has. And that's why I give him props. Somebody who will not grow and somebody who cannot get out of his own way and a team that can't get out of their own way is the Los Angeles Chargers who lost yesterday to the to the Green Bay Packers. 23 to 20. Now, I did pick Green Bay to win this one. I said 24 to 20. So just ah, that close. But uh, Justin Herbert was really good again. 260 passing, a couple touchdowns, QBR of 82 on 0 to 100, and a pass rating of 99. So Herbert on the road at Lambeau played pretty well. Here's a problem, though, for the LA Chargers. They have the worst pass defense in the NFL, and this is why I said Jordan Love would play well. Jordan Love was excellent. Pass running of 108, couple touchdown passes through the game winner. Threw for over 300 yards, by the way. Through the game winner to Romeo Dobbs. Packers ran for just over 100 yards despite losing Aaron Jones. So props to Green Bay Packers on, on winning this game. I still don't think they're a playoff team. Still think they're going to win six games. Uh, but I, I feel like the matchup advantage favored them. Uh, you know, obviously, East Coast team, West Coast team coming in for the one, or I guess a noon kickoff. So like that, that, that was a factor as well. But what we are seeing right now with the Chargers is the biggest wasting of a quarterback, organizational waste of a franchise quarterback and a superstar quarterback since the Indianapolis Colts with Andrew Luck. Remember Andrew Luck came in the league in 2012. It was a, obviously they were two and 14. Peyton had the neck surgeries. Peyton Manning had the neck surgeries. They moved on from him. He went to Denver and won a Super Bowl. Um, but they said, you know what? Don't know if Peyton's going to recover. Let's go and get our franchise guy. As so they went out, they drafted Andrew Luck. They were terrible, 2-14, and 14, drafted Andrew Luck out of Stanford, and he got them the playoffs his first three years, despite having an atrocious offensive line, an atrocious general manager, and Chuck Pagano, who I like, really good human being, but not the head coach that could bet, help Andrew Luck uh, get to the point where the Colts hoped he would be. And by the way, some ter pretty terrible defenses, too. I mean, the, he took the Colts to the freaking AFC Championship game when they had a bottom-tier roster in the NFL. I mean, check that run. Not good. It was not good. Um, and Luck took them to the AFC title game where they lost to Tom Brady and the Patriots. And then he had the injuries. He had some shoulder problems, knee problems. He had uh, so I knew he had a bunch of concussions. Folks, Andrew Luck once played a game against, ironically, Peyton and the Broncos, who ended up winning the Super Bowl that year with a lacerated kidney. That's the kind of shots he was taking behind an abysmal offensive line that the organization refused to upgrade. We're seeing something similar now with Justin Herbert, where it's not that they're not putting the O-line in front of him. I actually think the Chargers have a really good O-line. You know, you got uh, Corey Lindsley, I think, at center. You've got, uh, shoot, what's the left tackle's name? Rashawn Slater, who's an excellent player. Excellent player. You're seeing the big impact of him being there as opposed to a year ago. Uh, not being there. Injured. But the Chargers are 4-6 and six today despite having Khalil Mack and a now-injured Joey Bosa, Derwin James as well. They have Justin Herbert. They have Keenan Allen. They have Austin Eckler. They have Rashawn Slater. And they're still two games below 500 and not going to make the playoffs. In the Chargers' six losses, here's Justin Herbert's numbers. You ready for this? First loss to the Dolphins. A touchdown, 229 yards. Pass rating of 99. So played okay, and the, and the Chargers did, after all, put up 34 points. Lost to the Titans in overtime. Justin Herbert in this game. 300 yards passing. Two touchdowns. Pass rating of 104. He was excellent. When they lost to the Dallas Cowboys. Now, Herbert, this was kind of his down game against Dallas. Uh, one, uh, Two touchdowns, a game-ending interception, a pass rating of 84. So kind of a down game by Herbert's standards. Then they lost to the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead, a team that Herbert historically is very good against. 
Touchdown, two picks, pass rating of 68, not great. But uh, they lost to Detroit 41-38 to last week, and Herbert was nothing short of sensational. 300 yards, four touchdowns, and a pass rating of 115. He could not have been better. And then this week against the Packers, I just detailed a stat line, pass rate of 99 and a couple touchdown passes, no turnovers. Anybody out there is blaming, and I've seen so many people, oh, it's Justin Herbert, he's overrated. Shut up. You, you, you just you, just go and tell me you don't know football without telling me you know football. Don't know football. Okay, Justin Herbert's spectacular. Um, I don't know what more the Spanos family needs to see for Brandon Staley. Uh, Kellen Moore as well. Now, Kellen hasn't been abysmal this year, but he's had some situationally. He's not good, and that was the case in Dallas, and you know, McCarthy and, and Dak have, have been good in that regard. But you're sort of seeing the the effects of when you have a, a bad head coach. And that's that's the case. A bad head coach or a bad quarterback can bring the entire organization down. You're seeing this at the quarterback position with the Jets, where I think Sal is actually a pretty good head coach. Uh, it's obviously a, a solid roster. I mean, they with bad quarterback play, they were in the playoff on a year ago. That's why they got Aaron Rodgers, because they thought he could put them over the top. He obviously ripped his Achilles four plays into the season, but it's literally the opposite in, in LA, where it's really good roster, pro bowlers everywhere, talent on offense and defense, and the defense, which Staley is a specialist, I say that in air quotes, at worst pass defense in football, and Jordan Love, who had had some clunkers, of which I detailed in... Uh, greatly on this show, threw for over 300, two touchdowns, and had a pass rating over 100. With Justin Herbert playing well, I might add. I don't know what more they need to see. Frankly, and again, not a Kellen Moore guy. I, I have been very adamant about that. Kick the tires and Kellen Moore is the interim head coach of this team. I don't think he'll be any better, but it couldn't hurt. You know you're not going anywhere, anywhere with Staley. You see the, the 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 body language of Herbert and the guys of the sideline. Austin Eckler, it's not great. Staley getting chippy with, uh, getting testy with with reporters after the game. He feels the pressure. He feels the heat. It's time for the Chargers to move on. And the, the, listen, the beauty is for LA, and the bad news I guess for LA is the fact that the Spanos family has, has notoriously been one of the cheaper ones in the NFL. That's why they're in LA and not San Diego. Uh, that and some other, you know, some, the politics behind it, that's a very long story. But you've got the talent there. You've got an elite quarterback, and you're wasting him. In a, in a different way, it's like what the Colts did with Andrew Luck, where it's had some solid receivers, but coaching staff was eh, GM awful, and offensive line probably the worst in the league. For the record, this is the concern I had about Joe Burrow coming to the NFL, and to his credit, he has largely overcome it, which Burrow's better than Herbert. I mean, he is. He's better than everybody not named Mahomes, when healthy, that is, is he came to an organization that wasn't terribly well run, that was cheap, and an offensive line that was horrendous. By the way, Herbert inherited an offensive line that was dead ranked dead last in the NFL. He broke virtually every rookie record that's ever been set at the quarterback position. But if you look at Herbert's numbers in 2020, his rookie year to now, not that much difference. Is that because Herbert just forgot how to uh, improve at the quarterback position? Is that because he has a low ceiling? Of course not. We see what this guy can do. Massive arm, accurate, very mobile, especially for his size. Seems to be a good leader, quiet leader, subtle leader, but a leader nonetheless. It's the coaching staff. I mean, guys, Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito was something yesterday. Tommy DeVito threw three touchdown passes. Because Brian Dable is a very smart head coach, offensive guy. 
Herbert doesn't have that. And Herbert, because his head coach is a defensive guy, and not a very good one, I might add, doesn't have one to back him up. How many fourth down conversions can Herbert make? How many games can he go without turning the football over and putting up 30 points? 28 points. It is the, aside from Andrew Luck, it is the biggest mismanagement of a franchise quarterback I've ever seen in my life. I, I don't know. Like this, this shows you, this shows you the Chargers are at least for the moment comfortable with being mid, so to speak. I mean, this this is a roster and this is a quarterback that should be getting to the playoffs every single year. Not beat not beat Kansas City for the division because the Chiefs are the gold standard of football. Forget that division of football. You should get to the playoffs as the five or six seed every single season. And be that the Chargers should be that team that every year we look we look at like the Miami Heat, like the Heat are like the opposite. They're like the anti-Chargers. Incredibly well coached, good player. I mean, Jimmy Butler is a very good to at times elite player. Bam Adebayo is having a great season, but kind of some overachievers. But it's a great culture. Pat Riley on top, and the Heat are that one team in the Eastern Conference that the Bucks, the Sixers, and the Celtics are all like. Yeah, I hope we don't run into, into Miami, please. Oh, please tell me we don't have to play the Heat in the playoffs. That should be the Chargers. But due to coaching, and at times upper management, it's not. They draft well. They spend a lot of money in free agency. They have their quarterback. They just don't have their coach. And we see what, the, what difference that, that that can make. Again, this kind of points to Kellen Moore now. Look at Dak Prescott with Kellen Moore. Look at him with Mike McCarthy. Different player. Different player. It's unbelievable. It, it is unbelievable. All right. Uh, what do we have here? Looking at the comments. Uh, Patrick Brown. What's up, Patrick? Grid Network writer. He says, AFC North is being gift-wrapped to whoever wants it. I don't know if gift wrap is where I'd use. I think it's like scratching and clawing for it. That is a physical division. Parnell, I would like to see Tyreek win MVP, but we all know it's a quarterback award. And and again, I will defend that, uh, Parnell, and say it should be a quarterback award. Tyreek's been awesome. Like, he's been clearly the best receiver in the league. He should be right now. It's either it's between him or McCaffrey for Offensive Player of the Year. It'll come down to the wire. Can't wait to see how that how that turns out. Did I, did, who was my Offensive Player of the Year predict? Uh, was it McCaffrey? I, I can't remember who I predicted to win uh, that award before the season. But... Quarterback, the value of it. That's why I said, again, is a quarterback's league. You can't, back to the Steelers segment, you can't win a Super Bowl with Kenny Pickett. It is impossible to do that in 2023 with freaking Bill Walsh calling plays. I'm actually about to get into the 49ers in just a moment. Uh, it should be a quarterback award because the quarterback position is infinitely more valuable than everything else. I mean, see the Jets. See the Jets. Pretty good roster, bad offensive line, but awesome defense. Uh, really good running back in Brees Hall. Elite number one receiver, Garrett Wilson. I still think they have a good coach in Salah. I'd like to see Salah get an actual you know, NFL quarterback at some point and then, and then kind of judge him off of that. They have the quarterback. It's holding him back. Holds any franchise back. Uh, Parnell says, Joe Burrow's career might end up like Andrew Luck. Man, I hope not. I hope not. I, I, I don't want to see Cincinnati waste him and you know the, the way Indy wasted Burrow. Patrick, Chargers losing Joey Bosa is a huge loss. Brandon Staley battery is beyond repair. He can say what he wants, but his days are numbered. That is true. Patrick also says, if Justin Herbert had a, and this is in all caps, real head coach, they'd be ooh, the best team in the AFC. Wow. But Justin has to be perfect to keep this team afloat. When you lose by one score, it's depressing, and it's a bad look. Um, yeah, it's a t you mentioned the one score thing, Patrick. It's the talent that's even keep them in the games. 
that by the way, an argument can be can be made that that's kind of the Steelers as well. Like you can't you can't tell sit up here and tell me that the Steelers don't have talent. Not they're not as talented as the Chargers. They're they're just not. But the Steelers talent, and by the way, a very smart head coach in Tomlin is what's keeping them in games. The problem is, and I will I will say this until I'm blue in the face, uh, that they refuse to adjust to modern NFL football. Uh, the Chargers' problem is they're just comfortable being average. Like that's that's their issue. Um, it's it's not great. Parnell, who's better, Josh Allen or Justin Herbert? I'm gonna have to go with Herbert at that one, Parnell. I'm gonna have to go with Herbert in that one because one thing I love about Herbert. And it's very rare. It's not common that you see this with guys with big arms. Allen has a better arm than Herbert, but Herbert can. Herbert has the most, in my view, the most beautiful deep ball in the NFL. It is like, I mean, it's just like a rainbow over the uh, over the football field, over the green iron. It just falls like a pillow into the receiver's arms, whether it's Josh Palmer or Keenan Allen or whoever it is. It, it that could be said about Quentin Johnson. He just couldn't catch a pass at the end. But you don't see this with guys with big arms. Herbert's a big arm guy that doesn't, I don't know if it's in these guys' DNA, but like Josh Allen, you saw him yesterday making one of the best throws of the weekend against the Jets where he just just put in a tiny little window. And that's the asset, the great asset of having a big arm. But the downside is that maybe, and Allen is more reckless than others, but you'll try and fit it into a window that really isn't even there. The window's actually shut and locked. It's not, there's not a small window, it's locked. Um, Herbert really doesn't do that. He's a big arm guy who's smart with the football. Now, the occasional interception when trying to make a risky throw, man, it happens. It happens. You know, I'll, I'll defend a quarterback for trying to take a big risk and get a big reward, and it doesn't work. I'll defend anybody in life who takes a big swing, big risk, because guess what? You know, do you want to be Barry Bonds with a bunch of homers or Ichiro with a bunch of singles? Okay, who 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 do we remember more fondly? Okay, like that's that's kind of my mindset. Um, so I don't I, I'll defend Allen in that regard. Um but I think Herbert, and by the way, Herbert has had to work with less, certainly from a coaching standpoint. I mean, at least Josh Allen for a couple of years said Brian Dable got to an AFC title game, was 13 seconds away from another. Herbert's working with an offensive coordinator that we know, we know for a fact now, clearly held Dak Prescott back and a head coach who doesn't know what he's doing on his side of the ball. He's stuck. At least until the Chargers upgrade at head coach, which... You know, if, if, if it doesn't happen after yesterday, losing to Jordan Love on the Packers, I, I don't think it's going to happen during the season. It's probably going to happen uh, after week 18 and the Chargers are already out of playoff contention. That's probably what's going to happen. But Parnell, I still do, I still do love Allen. Um, he needs, and this is why I defend him, uh, his reckless decision-making drives me insane, but he needs, a, he needs a good play caller, whether it's a head coach or an OC or both in some instances. I, I think they should bring in Ben Johnson from the Lions or maybe a B enemy from Washington is that a guy kind of like Dable was to kind of reel him in, get the most out of him. Not by the way, be incredibly reliant on him to kind of be their offense. If that's the case, he can be one of the five best quarterbacks in the league today. He's not. Uh, although in his defense, he is leading the league in touchdown passes. So I will definitely give him love in that regard to the San Francisco 49ers who looked amazing again. By the way, that's the 49ers. I, I just want to say this is their first win of the season where they didn't score 30. Uh, but still, Brock Purdy quite, <laughs> quite literally, quite literally could not have been better. Three touchdown passes. By the way, 21 of 25 passing. That is that is pretty good. 333 yards passing. 
a QBR zero to hundred of seventy nine point nine. I don't know how I don't know how it was higher, and a passer rating that was perfect. 158.3. This is coming off of a week in which he had a pass rating of 149 against a Jacksonville Jaguars defense that coming into that game was leading the league in takeaways. That is that is what Brock Purdy is doing. Now, I am not going to, you guys know I've been a Brock Purdy guy, a sturdy Brock Purdy guy since last year against when he came in against Miami for an injured Jimmy Garoppolo, made some nice throws. Then he had that big game against Tampa Bay where he was just flinging it all over the field. I'm like, I like this kid. But what is interesting about Brock Purdy, and it's a trend that I often see, that we often see with quarterbacks that come into the league the way he does, is that you have a seventh-round pick, Mr. Irrelevant, come into the league, end up with a good situation. Like, he's not the first pick. Again, the first pick of the draft goes to, unless there's a trade made, Usually goes to the best to to the wor- team with the worst record. Well, there's a reason they had the worst record. They did something wrong, unless they just straight up tanked. You know, Caleb Williams is going to go to a bad franchise. He's probably going to end up in Chicago because they have Carolina's pick. Not ideal. But for Brock Purdy, for your starter at Iowa State, slipping the draft all the way to the very very last pick. Go to San Francisco. Kyle Shanahan is one of the most brilliant offensive coordinators, offensive coordinators, offensive minds of our time. Has a similar, has a has a uh, scheme identical to his dad, Mike Shanahan's, Debo, and they had McCaffrey last season. They already had George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk and Trent Williams and that off that awesome offensive line. Yeah, it's going to help him develop. And when he balls out, when quarterbacks put in a similar situation to him ball out, it's like they can't really be that good. I mean, it's got to be the people around him. And for the record, a lot of it is. I'm not going to 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 front up here and act like, oh yeah, San Francisco's pretty good. It's just Purdy's dragging him. Absolutely not. Christian McCaffrey's the best player in his position in the league. George Kittle's the second best player in his position uh, in the league. Uh, Brandon Ayuk is making a strong case if he isn't already as a top ten receiver in the NFL. And Debo Samuel's the best uh, overall offensive player in the league in terms of what you can do with him. Although you could argue Christian McCaffrey the same thing. So maybe he's second in, on his own team in that regard. And Trent Williams is the best left tackle in football. All of those things can be true, and then simultaneously, yeah, but they've never been this good offensively with Jimmy Garoppolo, and they certainly weren't even close to this with Trey Lance. But for your starter, by the way, this could be a similar situation. He'll be a first-round pick, a high first-round pick, I'd imagine, in Bo Nix, but longtime college starter we saw with Burrow, a longtime college starter, uh, experience, a little more, a little older, a little more mature as, as, as a player and as a human being. And they come in, and they're kind of ready to go from day one. Like, younger guys coming in the league and balling out from the jump is, is is quite rare. Like, it doesn't happen much. And, again, we'll show you Brock Purdy's stats here, and I'll read it off of the podcast audience. It's, it's incredible. He's first in virtually everything. First in completion percentage, first in passer rating, first in yards per pass, and first in touchdown percentage. For the record, he's also first in the NFL in QBR. The guy's balling out. Was that on there, the QBR stat? No, it wasn't. I, I didn't put that on that graphic. But he's first in QBR as well over Dak Prescott. So, was Jimmy ever this good? Did the Niners roster, I'm sorry, if coaching staff ever trust Jimmy G this much? I don't think so. Again, I, I, one more time, this this one stat I want to show you here. First in yards per pass. He's not dinking and dunking. They're not They're not treating him like a game manager, like, oh, Brock, don't, don't screw it up, okay? Just rely on the running game and just hold your breath that Purdy doesn't screw it up. And now, 
in the three-game losing streak? Was it a perfectly legitimate complaint that trailing, leading the, going in the fourth quarter, not great? Absolutely. And that's been, to me, that is that is the weakness of the 49ers. It's been the weakness of the 49ers since Shanahan has been there. As great as he is, his teams aren't great from coming in terms of coming uh, from behind to win. We saw that in the Browns game, the Vikings game, and the Bengals game. I'll defend in the Bengals game. That's Joe Burrow, a healthy Joe Burrow. I think that's it's tough to do. But when he does have those adequate pieces around him, he can be perfect, as we saw yesterday. Can't say that about a lot of guys. This is why I've said about the 49ers. Obviously, we know they're the best roster in the league. I've been saying that for a long time, but they haven't had a guy of this caliber. Is he Lamar Jackson? Is he Joe Burrow? Is he any of the great quarterbacks in the league? Absolutely not. But is he top 12? You, you, you knock yourself out. Name me 12 better quarterbacks than Brock Purdy. You tell me 12 guys that put in his situation could be better. Of course, you talk about your Mahomes and your Burrows, and I think Josh Allen would be better, no doubt. Trevor Lawrence, Lamar, Dak, Hertz. How many is that? Seven, eight, Herbert. Uh, then it gets dicey. Are we sure Derek Carr would be better? And I love Derek Carr. Love Derek Carr. Been defending him for years. But as bad as the coaching staff is in New Orleans, the weapons are there. Chris Olave is there. Alvin Kamara is there. Michael Thomas, when he's not throwing bricks at people, is there. We've never seen anything close to that. Um, Tua, I don't know. Tua's in a pretty darn ideal situation in Miami. Ain't this good. And Tua's playing great this year. He's in the MVP discussion. Not playing this well. Jared Goff, not playing this well. Not as mobile as Brock. You start having different, you're starting conversations about where he's at. By the way, we did this, we did this with Brady for years. Where Brady came in the league, sixth round pick out of Michigan, had started a lot of games in college. Came into it to New England, where it's like Belichick's the defensive mastermind. And again, that was back in the day, whereas I sort of talked about and lamented with the Steelers, where you could win games with defense and running game. That was kind of how it was in New England. But Brady came in. They were winning games. Defense was great. And Brady would be great in the fourth quarter. And it's like, he's not that good. I mean, I know he has three Super Bowls in his first four years as a starter, but he's, he's not that good. No, he is. You got Randy Moss and threw 50 tuds in 2007. And that was kind of like, Kind of like when rational people are like, yeah, that Tom guy's pretty good. He's just as good, if not better, than Peyton Manning. But did, wasn't that a narrative until Tom, up until Tom in year 20 went to Tampa? Wasn't that a, a, a was it year, tw year 21? I'm sorry, went to Tampa. Wasn't that kind of the narrative surrounding him? Like, yeah, he's good. But Belichick's good and the organization. And yeah, Tom's kind of a system guy. And that was always a very ridiculous claim to make. It reminds me, now Purdy's no Tom Brady. He's not even close, but it's a similar narrative. Ah, he's a system guy. Okay. I've seen quarterbacks in, in this system, solid quarterbacks in this system, not do what he's doing. And is he, is he in the MVP discussion? No doubt about it. Uh, So real quick, and then we got, obviously we got Chiefs and Eagles tonight. It's going to be a fun matchup. Uh, I did want to recap week 11 action around the National Football League, the games that I've not talked about yet. Uh, Cowboys dominated the Panthers 33 to 10. And uh, again, I don't think any surprise there. Although I will say coming in this one, I said this is like the perfect trap game for Dallas. I, I mentioned that I 
read the numbers about how since week seven, Carolina's defense had actually been really good. They've given up less than 20 points per game. I'm like, Dallas, I know it's a one o'clock kickoff. It's not nationally televised. Like, don't don't mess around with keep Carolina in this game. Uh, but Dak Prescott was solid. Again, I, I, I'm not going to come out here and say, Ray and Dakota Prescott. No, no, no. Those are reserved for the big games, uh, the great games. He was very good. Uh, you know, a couple touchdown passes, QBR of 83, pass string of 95. It was good, you know, sub 200 yards passing. But again, I heard somebody say today, it is just one person. Maybe there's more. Say that, hey, you know, Dak Prescott threw for sub 200 yards against the Panthers defense. I mean, come on. Oh, for the love of, the only way Dallas was to going to, and we saw this from the jump, the only way they were going to lose to Carolina is if Dak screwed it up or if the offense screwed it up, or if the defense just decided not, not to play. The only way for Dallas to lose to Carolina is, and this goes for any great team against a bad team, is just to not show up. I mean, seriously. And, and by the way, Dak didn't have to take risks. You know, Josh Allen couldn't, you know, cost the Bills a game against the Jets in week one. Josh Allen, well, once Aaron Rodgers went down, it was like, okay, Josh, don't screw it up and we'll win. He screwed up four times. He had four turnovers. I mean, Dak did. We, D- Dak showed up to work and did his job. So did Tony Pollard, who finally had a touchdown. CeeDee Lamb was pretty good. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Carolina, Bryce Young struggled. Again, I, I will I'll defend Bryce in this regard, guys. I, I, I know we're, we're like, ah, yeah, I mean, come on, the Texans, uh, you know, they, they got the C.J. Stroud. I actually read a report last week or a couple weeks ago saying that the Texans, had they had the first pick, they'd also taken Bryce. So this isn't a situation where like, oh, how dumb is Carolina? Houston would have been just as dumb by that logic. And again, I think C.J. Stroud, a matter of fact, I'm, we can go as far as to say, I know C.J. Stroud is better. I thought he was better during the draft process. I did. I didn't think he'd be this good off the bat, but he, I knew C.J. would be good. But are, how many quarterbacks have we seen suck year one? Jared Goff was awful, beyond awful in year one. Year two, he led the Rams to the playoffs. And we've seen what we see what Jared Goff is now. Jared Goff's a top 10 quarterback. He's played great this year. He's in the MVP discussion in my book. I mean, it, it is, it's, it's odd. It, it's I get the size limitations, and I think there are there's only so far you can go with a guy that size. We've seen smaller quarterbacks struggle in the past, but I've seen Bryce make the big time throws in Alabama. I've seen Bryce be mobile. Guys, he has nothing around him. Offensive line, look, look, look at the offensive line and tape. It's bad. His only receiver is Adam Thielen. Nothing gets Adam Thielen. He's a really good guy, but that's all he's got. And let's cut the kids some slack a little bit, man. He went to the worst situation in the league, and because he's not Trevor Lawrence or a perfect quarterback coming in the league, he's struggling. I mean, it's not surprising to me, but that's that's how it goes. Let's see. Patrick Brown in the comments. Uh, yeah, great point here, Patrick. He says, my Cowboys had two wins yesterday, beating Carolina and Jerry finally finally inducting Jimmy Johnson into the ring of honor. A very emotional day for Cowboys fans. The curse has been lifted. I certainly hope so for y'all's sake and for my pick's sake is, um, is the fact that I, I, I do think, um, I do think Dallas is going to get to the Super Bowl and lose to Kansas city. That was my pick before the year. I, I, I feel pretty good about that. Um, but yeah, good. Listen, the long overdue for Jimmy Johnson getting the ring of honor. We know him and Jerry weren't on the best terms. They seem to be uh, in a better place now. But and I, I saw <laughs> I saw Jerry say uh, to Jimmy on the pregame show. He said, uh, "You you will be going to the." I'll do my best Jerry impression. <clears throat> he said to Jimmy, "He said uh, 
you, you will be going into the Dallas Cowboys Ring of Honor on December 30th, 1923. And Jimmy's like, uh, 19, uh, you mean 2023, Jerry? It was it was great, but it was a great moment though. Jimmy's more than deserving of it. I've got his book. He he, he had a book last. Uh, he wrote a book last year. Uh, I haven't gotten to it yet. I've been you know, I guess I've got a bunch of. I got his book, Chris Paul's book. I got to get to these at some point. Got to. I'll be very well deserving. Patrick uh, Slack Wilson might as well take his little jetpack. <laughs> Jeez, Patrick, and sputter elsewhere. But this falls on GM Joe Douglas for admitting for not admitting he was wrong about his number two pick in twenty twenty one. Yeah, did a segment about that in, I think it was week three. You know, it's, I, I, you, I mean, I don't really need to add to that, Patrick. You're right. Uh, Mark is in the comments. Mark says, Lions at Eagles, NFC championship game. That is more than possible, uh, and more, uh, more than a possibility to happen. My preseason pick was Dallas versus Detroit. And so I'm, I'm sticking to that. I feel good about that. I think Dallas will beat Detroit, get to the Super Bowl, and again, lose to the Chiefs. But, uh it's, it's awesome to see. You know what? Let's talk about the Lions real quick. Again, we're recapping games. Detroit beat the Chicago Bears. Lions beat the Bears yesterday, 31-26. to Did so via a fourth-quarter comeback after Jared Goff had had easily the worst game of the season outside of the Baltimore Ravens game. Three interceptions. Again, the, the, the one interception he threw to the linebacker, I don't know if he just didn't see him. That was a very uncharacteristic throw by Jared. And he has had a little bit of the turnover uh, bug in the last few weeks, so that's... That's something he needs to clean up uh, sooner rather than later if the Lions are going to go on a run. But listen, Detroit gets the ball back. Okay, there's uh, uh let me make sure I'm getting it. Yeah, Detroit gets the ball back with uh, four minutes left. Down by 12. Was it down by, yeah, down by 12 to, to Chicago. Drive down the field quickly in about a minute and a half. He throws the touchdown to to Williams, uh, who I've, I really liked. Uh, Jamison Williams, who I've really liked since his days at Alabama. They get the ball back. Chicago goes three and out, drive down the field. And uh, J- David Montgomery, the former Chicago Bear, punches it in for the win for Detroit. This is the most f- freaking resilient team I've ever seen in my life. They play, they embody, as any great team does, they embody their head coach in every way, shape, and form. Even when the Detroit Lions sucked th- two years ago, they won three games. They were awful. They still, they were competitive in a lot of their games. A lot of one-score games that they just weren't able to finish. Because, again, some of it was a talent thing. Some of it was a situational game. And, uh, and that was that was their problem. They couldn't finish. And so for them to accumulate this talent through the draft, through the free agency, it's it's great to see the franchise doing what they're doing. Uh, I, I root for... I root for franchises that are smartly run or are now smartly run and that know what they're doing. And Detroit's easy to root for. And by the way, that's a fan base that has endured a lot. I mean, I saw Marshall Mathers yesterday on Twitter. Eminem was just like, uh, you know, over the moon. He's like, he's like, man, we're not used to winning these type of games. You know, people like him and in the city of Detroit, they've been through a lot as, as a fan base. I know Barry Sanders has a documentary coming out on Amazon soon that I would love to watch. And uh, so good for them. Good for them. Very easy to franchise to root for. Uh, Mark says about my NFC title game prediction, he says, not a bad choice. And he says, Ravens at Chiefs, AFC title game. I had, see, we're like halfway through on our uh, on our predictions for the conference title game. I said Jaguars, Chiefs before the season. Still feel pretty good about that. Trevor was awesome yesterday against the Tennessee Titans. And that's, I, I will touch on that. Uh, Trevor, 30, uh, the Jaguars won 34 to 14 over the Titans. Trevor Lawrence was nothing short of sensational. Couple touchdown passes, great uh, completion percentage, 24 of 32, uh, which is a 75% completion percentage for those that are adding that up. A QBR of 90.8, so virtually, basically 91, and a pass rating of 119. So if you look at what Trevor did yesterday, he was efficient. 
Jacksonville uh, was able to run the football effectively with Etienne and, uh, and others ran for 128 yards. Uh, Tennessee struggled. Will Levis struggled. Uh, but again, they're in rebuild mode. So it's, you know, they were Jacksonville supposed to win this game. They took care of business and it sets, sets the stage for a big time matchup next week in Houston. Jaguars, Texans for the division lead. Should be fun. Texans beat the Jaguars back in, I think it was week three in Jacksonville before the before the Jags re- uh, reeled off a five-game winning streak. But Trevor looks like the Trevor I think he's capable of being. I said coming into the season, I thought he was the third-best quarterback in football. He certainly, over the course of this year, has not played like that. But if you remember last year, and it was against Tennessee, Tennis, I'm, I'm sorry, Jacksonville reeled off five straight wins, won the playoff game in comeback fashion against the Chargers before losing to the Chiefs in the divisional round. But uh, yeah. He, he's the man. I love I love me some Trevor Lawrence. Patrick in the comments, Wack Jones and Slack Wilson. Those names that'll stick with those two below tier play. No doubt. No doubt. It's a great nickname, especially Wack Jones, uh, Patrick. Mark says, not a bad choice either because Tony Khan is the effing man. <laughs> he's, listen, he hasn't been the greatest owner over his, over his tenure in Jacksonville, but He's put some smart people there. Good general manager. I love Doug Peterson as the head coach and Trevor Lawrence. Again, it was at this time last year, week 11, 2022. He got rolling, got hot. If I'm not mistaken, that might have been a game. I could be wrong on this, but I think it was a game against the Ravens where they came back and won um, and, and beat Baltimore. But like that's what you're seeing now. Week 11, smart coach Doug Peterson. Very talented quarterback and Trevor, good roster. Calvin Ridley was great yesterday, by the way. Looks like every bit of the guy I think he can be is capable of being come off the suspension last year. So great win for the Jaguars. Again, the team they'll be facing next week for the division lead in the AFC South. The Texans did not cover, which made me sad, but they did beat the Arizona Cardinals 21-16. to Again, CJ Stroud kind of up and down uh, through three picks. Uh, wasn't great in the red zone. So again, he's a rookie. He's going to have some down games here and there. But uh, look, Kyler got off to a hot start, but kind of tailed off there at the end. But listen, for games like this, you're playing an inferior opponent. If you're the Houston Texans at home, you take care of business. Defense got to stop there at the end. Props to them. And the Texans are the shock of the league, at least in my view. Six and four in the playoffs at the se- if the playoffs start today as the sixth seed. And again, Houston-Jacksonville next week. That is going to be a doozy. And that game's going to be in Houston too. I think that's, is that in one o'clock window? Yes, it is. Jacksonville today, this is Monday, so we got six games till kickoff, six days till kickoff, but the Jags today are a one-point road favorite. Be a fun one in, in Houston, no no question. Uh, what else we have? The Dolphins beat the Raiders 20 to, uh, to 13. I must have 20 to 10. The Dolphins beat the Raiders 20 to 13. Uh, Tua was solid throughout the day, had a pass ring over, pass ring over 100. Tyreek was awesome, 10 catches for a buck 46, a touchdown, typical Tyreek Hill stat line. He did injure his hand. I saw a quote from Tyreek today saying that he's he's going to be fine. It's not going to be like a long-term injury. He just can't play Fortnite right now. I, I didn't know people still played Fortnite. I, I didn't know. I know that was all the, all, the, all the rage, you know, a few years ago, but Tyreek and others are very loyal to it. But good win for Miami. Again, another great defensive showing. Uh, by Vic Fangio, this 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 Dolphins defense. I saw a stat. Let me pull. Let me see if I can pull the stat up. Jalen Ramsey. It, it is incredible the season he's having. I was the guy for the record. Uh, just keep it real on the show. I thought the Dolphins made a huge mistake giving up what they gave up for Ramsey. I said when they made the trade, I think it was in March. Uh, they they made a, a bad decision in doing so because he had a terrible year last year. Finished the Super Bowl winning year. Uh, you know, struggling. Is this it? Yeah, there we go. Okay. Here, so Jalen, my apologies, man. I was wrong on you. Jalen Ramsey has allowed a passer rating of zero. 
The most you can get is 158.3. By the way, you get a pass rating of 33 when you spike the football. Jalen Ramsey has allowed a pass rating of zero when targeted this season. And he also he already has, and he's, he's only played three, four games this year. He has three picks already this season. So hats off to Jalen Ramsey, man. I was wrong on you, but hey, great players bounce back from down seasons, and he has very much done that. Let's look at some more comments. I see, again, y'all have been my emotional support today. God bless y'all. <laughs> okay, I had a rough weekend with my Vols, my Steelers, and my man Josh Dobbs, and my Warriors as well. It was not great. It was not great. Let's see what we got here. Uh, <laughs> Patrick, to see Barry Grant Jr. have a come-to-Jesus meeting on Mac Jones, priceless. He's finally seen what we've all been telling him for two seasons. It was great. It, it, I totally agree with you, Patrick. I'll keep your comment up here, man, because uh, for those that haven't seen Barry Grant Jr., host of the All Even Podcast, co-founder of The Grid, shout out to Barry, and he did a show, his weekly show, great show, by the way, that he did. Check it out on YouTube. And uh, he did. He he said, man, I'm out on Mac Jones. I'm done. And it is a beautiful thing to see. You know, Barry is, is, is listen, he's a real one. Okay. He, he's, he calls the way he sees it. I may not always agree with him, but we finally do agree on Michael McCorkle Jones. Okay. So I agree with you, Parnell. My man, Grady Edwards, what is up, Grady? He says, who is your MVP right now? Parnell asked me the same question earlier. I'll give you the same answer with a graphic that I gave Parnell today. It is Rain Dakota Prescott. Okay, I'll, I'll put up his stats right now. But let me remove your comment for just a second uh, so we can see it. Uh, again, Dak is second in completion percentage, and this is the, over the totality of the season. This isn't just in the last month or something, but uh, Dak, second in completion percentage, fourth in passer rating, fifth in yards per pass, and uh, sixth in touchdown-to-interception ratio, second in QBR, and today he is pro football focus's highest graded quarterback. And for the record, pro football focus, their job is literally to watch film all day. And uh, so evidently they see something that they like with Dak or they wouldn't give him the high grade that they're giving him. So today, and listen, it, the, the race is far from over. CJ Stroud's in it. I see a comment here from Mark. He says, uh, Stroud is the office rookie of the year and MVP. Again, Stroud threw the three picks yesterday, but Houston won. He threw a couple touchdown passes to his credit. He's very much in the race, as is Dak. Jared Goff, Hurts, Mahomes. Uh, I think two is still in it. So... Lamar Jackson, as I said on Friday, has an opportunity to get himself in it, given the opponents the Ravens have, given the fact that Mark Andrews is out. So there is far, far from a clear frontrunner for MVP, but my frontrunner would be Dak Prescott. And given how many national tele nationally televised games the Cowboys have over the next month and a half, I mean, they've got, let's check Dallas' schedule real quick. If I can pull it up here, Dallas has Washington on Thanksgiving. They're double-digit favorites. They should win that, and Dak should play uh, big time. But then they've got Seattle, Thursday Night Football, national television. Philadelphia, which is a massive game, especially if Philadelphia loses tonight and Dallas takes care of their business. Dallas-Philly on Sunday Night Football. Then you got Dallas at Buffalo, America's Game of the Week on Fox. Dallas at Miami, Christmas Eve, America's Game of the Week on Fox. Dallas at home against the Red Hot Lions. Monday night football, or actually that's going to be Saturday night football, but that's on ESPN. So Dak's going to be in front of the whole country. It's not like he's not used to this a lot. And if he keeps doing this, yeah, the Vegas odds will reflect what I'm saying right now. I'll just tell you right now. Uh, Grady says, don't think Stroud can win it because of politics. They wouldn't give it to a rookie. Well, a rookie hasn't won since 1957, and that was the late, great Jim Brown. And they may not. Um, if CJ continues what he's done over the course of the year, I'll tell you this. If Houston steals that division from Jacksonville, 
politics be damned, man, he has been amazing. So it's going to be, it's going to be hard to not at least give, for him to not at least get votes. I mean, it's going to be hard for that. Grady, I'm out of Mac Jones too. He's a, <laughs> he's a scrub-a-dub-dub. That's, I've never heard him described that way, Grady, but that's great. Yeah. And I mean, by the way, Grady's a, listen, if there's anybody, I talked about the comment section being my emotional support today, and y'all are freaking coming through. God bless y'all. But if there's anybody that's suffered more as a fan, I just suffered this weekend. Grady has suffered this season. He's a Panthers fan. He also loves the Patriots as well. What is their combined record? Uh, hey, Alexa, what's their, let's see, the Panthers are, what are they, one and nine? One, one and eight, I think. I think, I think actually, I think the Panthers are one and nine. Let me check. Okay, Panthers are one and nine, Patriots are two and eight. So do the math. That is three and 17. So hang in there, Grady. Better days are to come. I promise. <laughs> Mark, uh, Mac Jones is a bleeping goon. That is a fact. He's the dirtiest quarterback I've ever seen in my life. I've done many of segments on that, Mark. They are all available on YouTube. Be, be sure to everybody out there, be sure to check them out. Because I've been, by, by the way, reports are that Mac Jones is going to be the third stringer in New England. Not great. Uh, what else do we have? We had the, I already talked about the Packers, the Giants and Tommy DeVito, who I've mentioned at times on the show. Giants won 31-19 over Washington. Tommy DeVito, not one, not two, but three touchdown passes on the day. A pass rating of one at 37 now for the record. And I know my man Parnell will 100% agree with me on this, is the fact that uh, Washington's defense is awful. I think I saw their like, last in the NFL in scoring defense with a defensive coach, Rivera, and I love Ron. He obviously he coached a few years ago with cancer. He's as tough as they come. Riverboat Ron. But it's time for it's time for Washington to move on. Eric Bieniemy. They probably have their future head coach in building in house. Would not be surprised at all if they go with him. Sam Howell's been good this year. Wasn't great yesterday. Uh, seemed like the uh, through three picks. The, I think the Commanders had like six turnovers in general. I mean, it was it's not a good day. Three picks and three fumbles. That's that's not gonna get the job done. But the Giants, despite having no offense, Tommy, no offense. None at all. But uh, despite having Tommy DeVito at quarterback, Brian Dable shows you why he is one of the premier offensive coaches of the league and why he was coach of the year a season ago. Uh, Bills, Jets, I kind of already touched on that. Uh, the Bills did what they were supposed to do, dominated the Jets. They're a much better uh, football team, or at least at the quarterback position. They're significantly better than the Jets. Then again, who isn't? Josh Allen, three tutties, a pass rating of 108. Again, had a dime, gorgeous throw to Khalil Shakir for a touchdown 81 yards out. I still don't think the Bills are a playoff team. I think their schedule ahead is brutal, but uh, they did what they were supposed to do, and Tim Boyle will be the Jets' starting quarterback next week. Who do the Jets play in Week 12? Oh, they got the Dolphins. Oh, yeah, that's the Black Friday game. Yeah, how about this, y'all? The Dolphins on the road in New York against a great defense are nine-and-a-half-point favorites on Black Friday. So, you know. I would say better days to come if you're a Jets fan, but I, I, can't, I can't confidently say that. I can't do it. I can't do it. And what else? Uh, Rams beat the Vikings. Uh, Rams beat the Vikings. Rams beat the Seahawks. Man, y'all came through for me, LA, okay? Because I, that was one of my, that was almost my Bryson's Bleak bet pick. But Matthew Stafford came through at the end, dealing with injuries and all. Uh, you know, Cooper Cobb got hurt in the game, but Puka Nakua played well. Uh, they got a stop at the end. Geno struggled, got hurt, but it looks like he's going to play on Thursday on Thanksgiving against San Francisco. Seattle's backs definitely gets the wall uh, in that regard, but, Rams are playing well. Um, off a bye, Sean McVay, smart head coaches win off a bye. That's what Pe Sean, Sean Payton, Sean McVay did. I get the Sean's mixed up, y'all. The great uh, coaches. Let's see. Uh, Mark says, if the Patriots get a top five pick, they better draft a quarterback. They will. They'll, 
they will get a top five pick and they will draft a quarterback. If I, I cannot see a scenario in which they don't, uh, Mark, I, I cannot see that, especially as loaded as this draft is. As loaded as this is, you've got you've got to take a guy. Uh, yeah, I was about to say this. Thank you, Par- uh, not Parnell, Patrick. Patrick, uh, Commander's water system is the biggest loser. Yeah, the 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 the, the hot water heater was not working in FedEx Field. It is, and not just Par- uh, Patrick. Keep calling you Parnell. Keep getting everybody's names mixed up, y'all. Jeez. It's, uh, listen, I'm telling you, I'm reeling off this weekend. Y'all are hang- y'all hanging in there with me, man. I love y'all. But Patrick says Commander water system is the biggest loser. No. The commander's water system is a loser. The stadium is the biggest loser. That is how they won't get an how they won't upgrade to a better stadium is beyond me. I remember that game two years ago. They played Philadelphia and Jalen Hurts after the game. They Philly Philadelphia won and Hurts is walking off to the locker room and some Eagles fans are like leaning over the railing, like high, trying to high five him, and the freaking railing breaks. It's like, geez, your railing breaks. You your your showers don't work or your showers work. It's just the hot water heater doesn't work. And uh, by the way, I think the stadium is over Native American burial grounds. So it's ugh, it's not great in Washington. It's not great. Let's see. Ian Payton says more sports. That is what we do on Carving It Up, Ian. We, we, we give you a lot of sports. Grady, at least they got Aaron Rodgers to look forward to coming back this season. Uh, is he? I don't think he should. With that offensive line? By the way, I don't think the Jets will be in contention with Tim Boyle starting quarterback. Check Tim Boyle's college numbers. I mean, this is, I always say, I've talked to people about this in the past, um, is that sports is one of the last meritocracies in America where it it is, you get in because you deserve to get in. That is how it works, at least in terms of players. Uh, you know, Steph Curry, I was use the example. Steph Curry's not in the NBA because his dad, Dell, was a great shooter. He's in it because he's... Well, we know he's Steph Curry. We know, we know who he is and what he represents. The same is going to be true with Bronny James. Bronny James is not getting into the NBA because his dad's LeBron. Bronny James is getting the NBA because he's good enough to be in the NBA. Uh, sports is one of the last places you could say that. And Tim Boyle is an exception of that. Matter of fact, let me go and pull up Tim Boyle's uh, college numbers because, and the reason you'll you'll see why I'm talking about the the, you know, he's not in in the NFL based off of merit or play. Tim Boyle, there he is. He played college. Uh, he played college football at the University of UConn. He played at UConn, then he played at Eastern Kentucky. Let's check his college stats, y'all. Okay, in his college career, and I'm not kidding when I say this, he had 12 touchdown passes and 16 interceptions. His first year at UConn, he had no touchdowns and eight picks. He's in the NFL today. He's the Jets' starting quarterback today. I mean, you're telling me Tim Boyle's a worse option than Trevor is a better option than Trevor Simeon? I'm not saying Trevor for Simeon is exactly Brady, but Jesus, Trevor, Trevor Simeon's won games in this league. My gosh, okay, like, but you know, but you know why he's with the Jets? Because he's buddies with Aaron. You know why Nathaniel Hackett's with the Jets? He's buddies with Aaron. Randall Cobb, buddies with Aaron. Al Lazard, buddies with Aaron. Read a report: Jets want to get Devontae Adams. They're going to get Garrett Wilson. They need a freaking offensive line. Okay, Zach's bad, but I've seen quarterbacks be good with bad offensive lines time and time again. I saw Dak do it last year. I saw I've seen Burrow do it since the day he stepped into the league. I've seen Mahomes deal with injuries to the offensive line. I've seen CJ Stroud do it. So that this isn't to take blame from Zach because he's been terrible. But man, that Jets offensive line is bad. And we knew that coming into the season, but I didn't think it'd be this bad. That's the that needs to be what they address. And if I'm Aaron Rodgers, Grady, and audience, I am not coming back until that offensive line is. It is fixed. 
Uh, yeah, it's it's not it's not great. So, Mark says either I think he's talking about the Patriots. Either Michael Penix Jr. or JJ McCarthy. I like McCarthy. I don't love him. I love Penix. I, I again, I maintain. I think Penix is the second best quarterback in college football in the draft. Again, I I think Drake May is gonna be good in the NFL, depending on where he goes. But I think Penix is gonna be better. He's he's got everything he could possibly want short of Caleb Williams. Grady is a South Carolina fan. He says hot take. Spencer Rattler can develop into a Pro Bowl quarterback. Well, I mean, look, see, normally, Grady, I would say you're crazy. And Mark actually, Mark right below him, he says, I agree, Grady. Uh, you know, I would say you're nuts. But, you know, Spencer Rattler did hang 60 on Tennessee last year and ended our college football playoff hopes. I still haven't forgiven him, forgiven him and South Carolina for doing that to our season. Not to mention Hinton Hooker went down. It wasn't like it wasn't South Carolina's fault as a non-contact play, but our starting quarterback, Hinton Hooker, went down for the season in that game when he was going to win the Heisman Trophy. It was it was a bad, it was one of the worst nights of my sports rooted career. It was bad. And I remember Grady, you and I talked on the phone after the game. That that, you know, helped me a little bit, but man, it was not it was not it's not a great evening for me. So in most cases, Grady, I'd say you're nuts, but you know what? Because he did that to Tennessee, I'll be like, yeah, I, I can't I can't fight. I can't fight against him. I'll tell you what I'm not going to fight against because um, I take a take a sip of Gatorade. Got about as good of a Monday night game as you could possibly imagine. I mean, it it does not get better than this. We've got, and normally I would play the the, the same music, background music we play for, for, for when I'm predicting regular season games. And I, I play more intense music for the playoffs. Y'all, this feels like a playoff game. So let's play the playoff background music that I normally... All sports, here we go! Kansas City Chiefs, Arrowhead Stadium, Monday Night Football, 8.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Game kicks off in less than an hour. You got Mahomes versus Hurts. MVP candidate versus MVP candidate. Number one last year versus number two last year. Kelsey versus Kelsey. Jason versus Travis. Who's the better singer? It's clearly Jason. That's another story for another day. Who's the better offensive line? Philly or Kansas City? Andy Reid versus Nick Sirianni. The vet versus the young guy. A great defense in Kansas City versus a great offense in Philadelphia. A struggling Philadelphia defense versus a struggling Kansas City offense. And not to mention these were the last two teams standing last year and they're awesome again this year. Eagles are 8-1, and one, Chiefs are 7-2, and two, and Kansas City is a two-and-a-half point home favorite. A line, by the way, that has moved not a ton, but it has moved some since last week when it first came out. So Kansas City last week was a three-and-a-half point favorite. They are now a two-and-a-half point favorite. I don't know, if, you know, depending on where the, the, the betting line has gone, but overwhelmingly, I'm looking at the injury report. It looks like both teams are going to have most of their key guys healthy. Obviously, uh, Nick Bolton, who in that Super Bowl against Philadelphia made a massive play. Remember, he picked up the fumble on Jalen Hurts, returned it for a touchdown. You know, in a game that was decided by three points, that was obviously a massive play. Dallas Goddard, though, for Philadelphia is inactive. Again, overwhelmingly, though, for both sides, their key players are ready to go. Uh, the receivers, the quarterbacks, defensive players, obviously the coaches are ready to go, etc. So, Here's what I'm looking at. Both teams are coming off of a bye week. Both teams are well coached. I think Andy Reid's the best coach of football. Nick Sirianni, I think, is better than people give him credit for because what he does is what Dan Campbell does in Detroit in the sense that is he great at managing the game from an X's and O's standpoint? No. 
but he hands it off to guys that do. He has enough self-awareness to understand, let me give this responsibilities to smarter people, and that's what he does, and he kind of manages the game and does so, I might add, quite effectively. Andy Reid obviously calls the Chiefs off its plays, and, uh, and Steve Spagnuolo calls the Chiefs defense a place. Here's why I'm at on this one. So, Philadelphia's the one seed in the AFC, the same is said about the Chiefs. I'm sorry, Philadelphia's the one seed in the NFC, the Chiefs are the one seed in the AFC. Um, Philadelphia's pass defense is really bad. Now, have they addressed that in the bye? That, to me, is what I'm be watching for tonight, is a struggling Kansas City offense. You know, they played that game two weeks ago, Miami Dolphins. And Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, uh, Isaiah Pacheco just could not really get a consistent rhythm, especially in the second half when they were literally shut out by Miami. Okay, so that, that's a little bit of a concern, a little bit of a problem that I'm sure they also address this week. This will be a game of adjustments, whether it's coming off the bye week and in-game. Here's where I think it's, it's, and this is where we factor in the things that are not X's and O's, the things you can't quantify in numbers, is the fact that multiple Philadelphia Eagles Remember during the offseason, I think James Bradbury said something, Eagles cornerback, that, hey, you know, last year the playing surface in Arizona at State Farm Stadium, it wasn't ideal. It wasn't ideal for Kansas City, and they still won. Uh, And also, oh, people, and I remember the day after, and it's the Super Bowl, so everybody saw it, so biggest overreaction Mondays is the Monday after week one and the Monday after the Super Bowl. People lose their collective minds and, and go to the extremes on anything, good, bad, or indifferent. But... Ugh, what a terrible call. James Bradbury on Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, how could you call a holding when he held him? I mean, I don't know what we're looking at. Go go watch the replays. He's clearly grabbing. Bradbury's clearly grabbing Juju Smith-Schuster. I have a rule. Don't call a penalty or a foul if we're talking basketball or any other sport. Uh, In the last five minutes of the game, unless it's absolutely obvious, that constituted as that. Bradbury held Juju. It's as simple as that. So, Eagles fans and Eagles players in particular, uh, move on from that. The Chiefs have heard all that. The Chiefs have heard that uh, so-called bulletin board material from Philadelphia, from the NFL world to a certain degree. Patrick Mahomes has heard about how, yeah, he won Super Bowl MVP, but he wasn't even the best quarterback on the field on that evening in February in Arizona. He, he's heard about that despite the fact that he had a darn near perfect passer rating in the second half of that game and led the Chiefs from double digits down to win. So bad blood, I think. Just a little bit of bad blood between these two teams. A potential Super Bowl preview. But Arrowhead Stadium, y'all, is a different monster. Give me the Kansas City Chiefs tonight on a walk-off field goal. They win tonight's game in the same fashion they won the Super Bowl by the same margin, albeit a different score. Kansas City wins this game 30-27 to over Philadelphia. Again, this is going to be a strength-on-strength game, a weakness-on-weakness game where Casey's offense is struggling, so is Philly's defense. Casey's defense is great, so is Philly's offense. Oh, so good. I had to play the playoff music for that one as well. Had to do it. Whew. I mean, it doesn't listen. This is the this is one of those games where there, there's a few games a year where all the networks, Fox, CBS, ESPN, slash ABC, NBC, they're all like gunning, like, gotta get this game. It's a Super Bowl rematch in Arrowhead. Big atmosphere. Now, to my knowledge, because I know the whole world wants to know. Uh, I do not believe that Miss Swift will be at the game. I think I read a report saying her parents would be. Uh, I don't know if that's true. Obviously, the Kelseys will be. Donna Kelsey, of course, she's the GOAT. I mean, it's her two sons playing. Of course, she's going to be in attendance at Arrowhead. 
but I'm going with younger Kelsey over older Kelsey. Travis over Jason. That's what I got. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this is this is gonna be one of those games, and it lives up to the billing. ESPN ABC got it. Buck and Aikman got it, and Lisa Salters, the Manning brothers on ESPN too. I mean, just the the Monday before Thanksgiving. Ah, oh, it's gonna be one of the greatest Monday night football games ever. I'm telling y'all that right now. But give me the Kansas City Chiefs. Before we get out of here, I would like to bring up a couple things. Uh, one is 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 all in fun and games. One is 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 a little more serious. Uh, Steph Curry and the Warriors play tonight, and uh, they play the Houston Rockets. Now the Warriors, you know, because I know everybody's on edge about this. The Warriors have lost six straight games, not playing great defensively, struggling to close close games. Even despite Steph being back in the lineup on Saturday, it wasn't quite enough against the Thunder. And so they're playing Oklahoma. Uh, I'm sorry, they're playing Houston tonight. Houston on the Back end of a road, West Coast, California, back-to-back. So Houston, maybe tired legs. Golden State at home, gets to sleep in their own beds, eat their own home cooking or elsewhere, restaurants in the Bay Area, whatever the case may be. And um, But the Rockets played that team in Los Angeles, the Lakers. The only team everybody ever cares about in Los Angeles, and I hate the Lakers to my core, but I do love me some LeBron James. I think he's the greatest player ever. I've been a LeBron fan for quite some time. But... um. There's this guy who plays for the, for the Rockets. He who shall not be named. Uh, I, I refer to him simply as, as a bum. If you want to call him a clown, you, you knock yourself out. He's making, he got assigned to an $86 million contract, if I'm not mistaken, by Houston. And he was, you know, the bear poker during the playoffs last year for those, for that ill-fated Memphis Grizzlies team. And he was talking junk to LeBron and, you know, LeBron didn't, LeBron James didn't forget these slights as any great athlete doesn't. And LeBron dropped uh, for the record in, Year 21. LeBron went 14 for 19 for the field, dropped 37, 8, and 6 for a Lakers win. And now said bum gets to guard Wardell Stephen Curry the second tonight. So he's going to get torched by the greatest player ever last night and the sixth greatest player ever tonight. I'm telling you right now, the Warriors need a win. You can't, you can't lose. You cannot lose five straight games at home. You can't do that. Can't, I don't care if it's November. The games don't really matter that much outside of the in-season tournament games. You can't lose home games in November. Steph knows that. Warriors know that. But they're going to need Steph. And Steph, against a little bit of a little tired legs uh, bum who plays for the Rockets, Steph's dropping 45. You heard me say it right now. 45 for Steph Curry tonight. And the Warriors beat the Rockets. The second thing I want to mention uh, because uh, I actually happened to do a series a year and a half ago with my man Isaac Lawson. Shout out to Isaac. And uh, it's called the Carving Up U.S. Presence Edition. You guys are more than welcome to to listen to it. It's it's on YouTube. I've got a whole playlist, Carving Up U.S. Presence Edition. It's a 10-part series where I break down the presidencies of all 45 men who have served in the executive branch. And uh, and in the last episode, me and Isaac gave our own personal list ranking the presidents. And um, yesterday, we got some sad news that uh, the wife of former President Carter, First Lady Rosalind Carter, uh, or the, the wife of Jimmy Carter, the uh, former First Lady of the United States, Rosalind Carter, uh, passed away yesterday. Um, the Carter Center announced she was 96 years old. We know her and her husband have have dealt with some um, some health problems, and so I want to. Extend my my thoughts, my prayers, my sympathies to the Carter family. 
Miss Carter was Mrs. Carter was a fantastic uh, uh, partner, as Jimmy Carter uh, said in a statement. And they again, I, I, like I said, and Isaac, you know, like the two of us said during our, our series, that we think about presidents being sort of humanitarians to a certain degree when they leave office, and we see some presidents uh, do that today, but. Uh, an argument can be made that that standard was set by the Carters, by Jimmy and by Rosalind. And so, you know, wh whether you agree with their politics or not, or, 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 or whatever the case may be, like they are about as, or Rosalind was, Jimmy is one of the most salt of the earth people in the world. They've, uh, they've helped a lot of folks through different organizations, different charities, Habitat for Humanity uh, is a prime example. And uh, Jimmy won the Nobel Peace Prize 21 years ago in 02. So, I uh, just want to extend my thoughts and my prayers to the Carter family and to um, uh, obviously Mrs. Rosalind Carter, who is uh, in a much better place today than she was in yesterday. There's no question about that. And I uh, just want to extend my thoughts and prayers uh, to them. Just want to give them want to give them some love today. Again, whether whether or not you, you agree with your politics or, or not, like that's to me that, that they're uh, the Carter family is about as class act as, as it gets in politics, especially when we see today, you know, in whatever branch you you, you you want to think of, especially in Congress, I mean, you know, we, we, we could use some more Jimmy Carters and Rosalind Carters in politics. I think that goes without saying. No doubt about it. Got a comment before we get out of here by my man, Grady Edwards. Uh, <laughs> he says, uh, don't forget Dylan Brooks hit him in the junk, Bryson, talking about LeBron James. Yeah, he did. He certainly did. And <laughs> Steph's going to torch him tonight, man. He's going to torch him tonight. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm going to be watching that with the Monday night game. It's going to be a fantastic Monday night uh, for me and I'm sure for you, the, the audience. And with that, that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by. Be sure to catch Carving It Up Live. And it's going to be a loaded show, a Thanksgiving-themed show on Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time, right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. Of course, be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. It helps the channel grow exponentially. We're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers by Super Bowl 58, which is February the 11th. So we still got a few months to do that. We surpassed 500 subscribers uh, last or two weeks ago. Uh, so we're building the show, growing the show. So if you have subscribed, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Your support means the world. Please tell your friends about it, your family. Listen, it's Thanksgiving. Tell your friends and family about it. Say, hey, this is the show, carving it up. Okay. It's a it's a great community, uh, great uh, you know, supporters of the show. And uh tune in for for some sports content. And uh, you know, maybe if nothing else is as an escape from the from the daily uh uh you know ups and downs of life. So hopefully I, I I can be that in some way or shape or form. So tell your friends, tell your family, uh family about it. Thanks at the Thanksgiving table and otherwise, if you have not subscribed, hey, just takes a couple seconds. Hit that bigger subscribe button down there. I always mess up my finger here. Where is it? Right there. Red wants to subscribe. Hit it. Boom. You're part of the Carving Up family. We would greatly appreciate that. And of course, just as important, go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network, right here on YouTube, as well as any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast. Check us out on the Grid Network. Fun stuff. Thank you. And I'll tell you something. I, I love anybody who tunes into the show, takes the time out of their day to watch Carving It Up. I, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it and love you you guys for it. Um, it honest to God means the world. But especially today, y'all are my emotional support. 
after a rough blowout weekend, Tennessee losing big to Georgia, although I wasn't terribly surprised about it. The Steelers losing to freaking Cleveland. The Warriors losing. I, I need I needed that extra energy today, and y'all provided it in a big, big way. Y'all are the absolute, absolute best. Stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physicals. What was your mental health? And please, 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 please be sure to contact your local state representatives and senators to demand change for gun violence here in America. Uh, we've absolutely got to address this, uh, especially here in my state of Tennessee um, and, and otherwise around the nation. All right. Thanksgiving-themed show on Wednesday. Tune in. It's going to be a fun one. Going to have some Thanksgiving segments, predicting all the Thanksgiving games and the Black Friday game between Miami and New York. Going to be a fun show. Tune in 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific time. I'll see y'all then. God bless you all. Peace out. I wonder if Taylor will make a cameo tonight. What do you think? Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube, and be sure to go click that big red subscribe button and check out the other clips and full shows from Carving It Up Live as well as our other incredible content creators here on the Grid Network.